to What Are You Doing Movie Archives. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Down in Front. Our movie this week is Alien. <gasps> The 1979 Haunted House in Space movie by yeah. Ridley Scott, released by 20th Century Fox. And when you press play on your DVD, you'll notice the logo comes up. It'll be crappy, and the, the zero will be kind of wonky because they painted it by hand. But when it fades to black, the first frame you perceive of all black, press pause on your DVD. We have pressed pause here, and in a second, I'll say three, two, one, unpause, and we'll watch the movie together in perfect sync. It'll be like any other commentary, except this time, instead of being the director talking about why it's amazing, it'll be four friends in your head talking about why... It's amazing. Brian Finnefter, how do you feel about... Wait, no, who's at the table this week? Brian <laughs> <William> Finnefter. <laughs> Hi. Are you Eddie, new? Eddie the Amazing Doty. Hey, uh... And Trey the Still Amazing Stokes. How are you? Now, Brian William Finnefter, how do you feel about Alien? It's amazing. That that payoff would have worked a lot better if we didn't have that interruption there. But, uh... <laughs> Spoiler It's alert. awesome! It's not our system. You're a big fan of Alien? I love it. Why do you love Alien? Because it's space and there's ships, spaceships, and there's aliens... I'm just a science fiction whore. It's you know Weaver that. And they, you don't need anything else from me. If you got an alien and you got a spaceship, I'm good. I'm Eddie Doty, say something smart about alien, will you? Uh, hey! Uh, <laughs> wow. uh, well, unlike that, that stupid idiot Brian, uh, no, I, I love the shit out of uh, uh, Alien for a lot of reasons. It's a uh, you know, it's, it's classic sci-fi. It's it's lived in sci-fi. It's not like I love the. It was like the first science fiction movie I saw where nothing was clean and antiseptic, as opposed to like the uh, well, Star Wars. Yeah, but that it but, was the, it was the yeah, second movie, really, but like of but, that trend. But whereas it just this felt like such a natural progression in our history, whereas Star Wars was such a long time ago. Alien, Alien felt like away. this really could be the future of our own. Yeah, it's like wow. Space truckers. Okay, I, I can identify yeah. with that. You know? When we go into space and it becomes commonplace, it's going to be right. like this. Wow, people complaining about their corporate overlords in space. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's relatable. Lived in everything's rusty and nothing works. Yeah, everything everything is a giant boiler room, and it looks like it looks like the basement to Nightmare on Elm Street. Just like it's just, I loved it. I loved the mood, tension, big Ripley. You a fan of Sigourney? I, Sigourney and her and her carpenter crack. I, I love all of that. We'll get yep, to that. Yep. But uh, yeah, no, I I love the hell out of this movie. Trey Stokes, Alien, classic, absolutely classic movie. And and I posit that um, with it's it's seventy nine, so 79. it's thirty years old. This film, correct? Yeah, correct. Thirty Indeed. thirty year old science fiction movie that. Other than this movie, just bought its first really nice car. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it's probably got the first first couple of kids. It's got its right. first mortgage. Yeah. But uh, name name another movie, and even including Star Wars, um, without any special edition edition feature uh, tweakage. Name another movie that's thirty years old. Science fiction has this much effects in it that really holds up as well as this movie. Yeah. Um, there's mm-hmm. there's two shots at the end of the movie with it are optical effects that don't quite work, but the rest of the movie looks just as good today as it did then. It holds up. Nothing about it is dated at all in the way it looks or any of the style of it and it's pretty spectacular it's kind of bizarre way. how well things can work out and, and not only that but stick. but this this movie's style has been endlessly stolen from ever since mm-hmm. you know every space half the space movies you've ever seen look like Alien because Alien just set that standard that's I got an idea for a space movie it's Alien in space yeah oh my god there actually is a movie called Space Truckers oh yeah yeah, yeah with yeah. The Debbie Mazar and uh, Dennis and Hopper that, Dennis Hopper yeah and uh, oh, yeah, I love so. Debbie Mazar and it's uh, we should point out that this is a precursor to Blade Runner we're talking about the lived in future science yeah. uh, science fiction aesthetic by about three years. also by and Ridley Scott also by Ridley Scott but the you know Blade Ridley Runner Scott sucks I know what a hack. <laughs> yeah, geez. but Blade Runner is kind of the uh, the, the 
the one that's hailed as like the thing that changed the aesthetic of science fiction of all time. Mm-hmm. But he was just continuing his trend. I mean, th- yeah, it's it's a very similar. Uh, I sort of think of Blade Runner. Blade Runner is if we'd ever actually seen the home planet that all these people were coming from. That right. you know, what dystopian right. society they lived in is uh, probably Blade Runner. R- Ridley Scott is to dystopian space movies what Roland Emmerich is to blowing up L.A. every five years. That's Hang right. on, I'm writing my Alien meets Blade Runner fan fiction right now. Oh, nice. <laughs> Ooh. Tap, tap, tap. Getting me all hot now. Here we go. Guys, mouse or remote ready? Three, two, one, unpause. Oh, look at I, that. I like what they did with the black here. You're right, Trey. This holds up. Well, it starts with it starts with the, the sort of to the point of annoying um, thing they do with thing they do with the title with where the title gradually comes in and you're like, one oh, this is over like 15 little, minutes. Yeah, yeah. I remember the first lines. time I watched this, I was like, okay, really, guys? Yeah, I get it. It's going to say alien eventually, but <laughs> do I have that kind of time? Tom Skerritt is number one. Tom Skerritt was the you know and Yafit Koto were essentially the biggest stars in this movie when yeah. it came out. Sigourney Weaver, of course, was a complete unknown. This is the movie that made her famous, and then made her do sci-fi movies for the next uh, thirty years. And then thank God for that. And Veronica Cartwright, of course, is part of the uh, Cartwright dynasty. Her sister, Harry Dean Sand, was her sister was on Lost in Space, yeah. and uh, her sister was in uh, Sound of Music and. Veronica Cartwright was in also Invasion of the Body Snatchers around the same time. She's uh, she's got some good sci-fi cred. And Ian Holm, a- any movie Ian I think Holm. with Bill uh, Baggins, I call him. Yeah, any movie with John Hurt and Ian Holm in the same Bill credit, I think is just, is just like a treat. Like we mm. don't deserve movies that have both guys in it. <laughs> we probably don't. John Hurt was also not very well known in the states. He was well known enough as a British actor, but uh, this was also something that established him. So if you wanna if you wanna explain to someone the difference between Alien and Aliens, how do you pitch one versus the other? Because they're two great movies, but they're different movies. I think you were right when you said uh, Alien is, you know, haunted house in space. That is literally, it, it's a, it's a, it's a, you know, paranormal story in space for all yeah. intents and purposes. Whereas Aliens is... is Starship Troopers in space. Starship Tro- well, yeah. it's James Cameron in space and we get everything we love about James Cameron in he space. He held his breath the whole time, finished the movie, God bless him. Right. He got a little bloated by the end of it. It's cold. Oh, hey, Alien! And they can't hey, hear look, you scream. It's the title. It was there the whole time. And I love there's this ongoing debate about the sound effect you hear at the end, spoiler, when you get sucked out and you hear this loud ah! sound and if that's a scream or not. And... uh because you know the tagline is no one can hear you scream. Oh, except unless you're the alien. Unless you're the alien. That was actually me <laughs> screaming the first time I heard it. <laughs> someone, someone cleared it up by saying, "No, that's that's the instruments that's the, doing that." The Nostromo, by the way, just to show how weird this is compared to most movies that most Hollywood people make. The Nostromo is a is a literary reference to a jo- Joseph Conrad novel. Um, and the and the twenty thousand right? what isn't you know and the and the uh, the escape craft is called the Narcissus, which is also a Joseph Conrad uh, uh, reference. Isn't Narcissus a Greek reference? It's yeah, also the, that, but it's a Nostromo and Narcissus that's together. That's Conrad was, was referencing. I was in a Narcissus when he was underground. Exactly. They're also playing with. I was in a Narcissus before he was into himself. <laughs> Damn it, Trey! I had it like <laughs> that's pretty. Good. It was half born to my good. brain. You were so close. Uh, you were so close. That, that was full of wind. Not today, one. my friend. Not today. So yeah, this does look an awful lot like. Every, to, yeah, it looks like every movie you've ever seen yeah. since. And and rightly so. And you know, and I'll cop to it. I I just shot a web series that uh, borrows heavily from this aesthetic. I'm yeah. not going to oh, deny yeah. it. But like, you look at this, and and who looks at this, and even you know, at, at any point goes, yeah, you know, I really wish they could remake this. I really wish they could. I really wish they could punch up the graphics. On it. No, you yeah, don't. There's need there's it. nothing in this that needs punching up. Like I said, two shots at the end. At the very end of the movie, there are two opticals that okay, we could do a little better now. But it, otherwise, I everything about this movie is just fine. I can't conjure of a universe wherein someone would possibly remake Alien. I don't know why you bring that up. Except the one we live what, what, in right what? now. What? Oh Apparently God. there is plans for some kind of remake going on. Re- not a sequel. Or a remake. 
Okay. Because I well yeah because I've heard people talk of, about Ridley Scott at how bad Alien is. Ridley Scott was rumored to be making a prequel. Right? This yeah. Is, this is the, the, these are the rumors I've been hearing recently. Yeah. It may be prequel. It may be complete remake. I don't know. I just know. I, I saw it in the trades a couple weeks back. Alien, remake, or redone, or re-envisioned, okay, or I reimagined, think, or something. I think Reloaded. that's the prequel that they're talking about. Ugh, either way, it sucks. Yeah. For 30 years, I've wanted to know what the hell this bobbing thing is on the on Right. <laughs> what the hell is that? I, I just really like how just the mundane of space is like, okay, it's just, it's kind of like, Waking up to go to work, you know, it's just. Yeah. I, I it like feels that. like it feels like a thoroughly plausible spaceship right. command. You know, it's 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 not the clean, sterile Enterprise bridge. It's 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 looks like if we like I said, if we went into space, this is what it's going to look like. When it gets to the point where it's just a job, this is what stuff will look like. Brian, what's your uh, what's your favorite in the Alien franchise? Um, is it three? <laughs> <laughs> I do like the idea. There's a lot of things to like about Alien 3, personally. Um, Shaved head. How, <laughs> you know, whether how good of a film it is, yes or no, but there's some good ideas in it. Um, I, I would have to go with Aliens over Alien. They're both fantastic, superbly, perfectly made films, but just for my own tastes... I love war and space. The filmmaking nuts right. are going to come yeah. take you home now. Yeah, you know, yeah, hey, Alien. Alien is a is a better horror movie, and Alien is a horror movie, and Aliens isn't really. Aliens is let's have a war in space. It's more of a thriller in a yeah. Yeah, way. Yeah. Suspenseful. It's kind of like saying, "What do you prefer, um, Lawrence of Arabia or Citizen Kane?" <laughs> or it's Z- like, or yeah. it's, it's like, it's like to, to yeah. me, they're completely different movies. The only yeah. thing they have in common is the first five letters. <laughs> uh huh. And that S makes all the difference. For a second, I was thinking Citizen Kane and Lawrence of Arabia. Trent? Not the same three letters. Yes. I mean, do you draw? I mean, do you just have them in your brain as one big pot of awesome, or do you have one that you like more than the other? I, it really is hard to pick. They, you know, they're they're both they are so different. Um, if anything, I would have to say how I admire that Jim Cameron took what was given in this movie and expanded it in such a great way into an even bigger story about a bigger world. Um, and without diminishing what happens in this movie or, or uh, you know, feeling like a ripoff. That's, that's and put his own stamp and style onto a universe that has already been created without exactly. crapping on what had come before yeah. him. And, and, Which and, and as we'll get to, I mean... directors can do that today, by all can. means try. But as we'll get to, uh, there's actually a fun little uh, d- cut trick here where, where it looks like we're sort of orbiting John Hurt here, but actually somehow without us watching him do it, he's now sitting sideways. I just thought yep. that was always a nice, you know, directorial... This this whole scene of them waking up is so the ellipsis know, of time non, with the non Hollywood the way it's yeah. been done and of course Ridley Scott is British so you never yeah. know what he's going to come up with. Give it, me a big hand. You know it was it was, uh, it was funny because uh, my father loved the hell out of Alien like it was I mean he would always talk very highly of it. I remember growing up and being a little kid uh, and when Aliens came out you know my dad was such a fuddy duddy when it came to the action movie and how bullshit he thought most of them were and he was he was so dead set against the idea of a sequel being made to alien sure and then it sounded like the worst idea exactly the and then i remember him and I, I was too young to go see it at the time but in the theater but i remember him and my mom coming back and my mom loved the hell out of it and my dad was like i was blown away with how good it was like he I, and i think <laughs> that's why a lot of people say they prefer aliens is because it was sort of a, an issue where everybody expected it to fail horribly to be a sequel by a new director yeah. a relatively young unproven director who didn't have as many credits and, and he really just took the ball and kind of took it in for a touchdown 
And I, I so I think that kind of colors the everybody's memory when it comes to which is the better movie. Uh, for me, I, I I don't think I have a favorite. Yeah, I just love I, them I, both. I really couldn't you know, put a gun to my head, maybe, but I, I can't pick up. It. It's a little disturbing. Funny you mentioned that, Trey. It's just distur- ah, put that down. Okay, fine. It's disturbing to me how young Sigourney Weaver is in this. She looks about twelve. To, you know, if you see her nowadays, it's just she's a little scary. There's young. nothing wrong with seeing Sigourney Weaver. That there's nothing wrong with it. I just like wow. Now, it's been thirty years. Ripley was written. It wasn't written. It wasn't written into the script to be a woman. Do you, guys, yeah. do you, do you guys know how the, how they came to entertain the notion of Sigourney doing it, and then obviously she got it. It's my understanding. I pulled the the script offline uh, from online at one point, and. It had a front page that it had all the characters, but none of them had genders assigned to them. So it was, you know, you could yeah. assign a male, a male or a female to any one of the roles. There, there is a, a line in the novelization, but that could have been added. You know, novelizations happen after movies have gone into production, where um, when they're trying to figure out uh, what the hell's wrong with Ash, um, where where <laughs> where Ripley asks uh, Veronica Cartwright's character, um, "Have you ever slept with Ash?" Because apparently, you know, suggesting that you know these people tend to somebody will sleep with somebody on any given night of the week. Yeah. But obviously, that's that's based off the fact that the characters by then had become female characters. Well, okay, I will I will take back in a small way what I said. This is kind of a silly old before we had computers computer room. Like, yeah. what is the point of a computer room that looks like this? A giant room with this tiny screen that you can barely see from a distance. Okay, fair enough. That's this, a little. Dated. This is actually just where they go when they're stoned. Right? It is. It's, 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 not, it's like the meditation pod with the, with the ship. It's just it's like Fantasia in space. And and speaking. For myself, if, if my keyboard actually went bip 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 every time it typed a letter, I think I'd go nuts in about six hours. That's but the problem I have with iPhones. That being said, yeah, there you go. Yeah, but with so, iPhones, you can turn it off. In Alien, no one can yeah. turn it off. This in there was Alien, a, no one can hear you. No click. one can text in space. A year or two after this movie came out, there was a traveling museum exhibit of of the models from it and some of the sets and some sections of hallway. Some and rad the, pictures. And it was great. And the mother computer room was actually one of the one of the sets that they had, so that you could actually stick really? your yeah you could stick your head in this room with all the blinky lights and go, whoa, look at that, that's awesome. It's like Fantasia in space. It is. So we don't. So I guess she just came in and knocked out of the park, and there wasn't even a big deal. But I think that you know, somewhere along the way, it was decided to make it female. Yeah, you know, let's make this character female. Why not? What the hell? It's a nice little texture to it. It's funny at a, a Comic Con this year, there was this panel. I don't think it was because she happened to come in for a boy's right. role, and they said, you know what, that should be a female. Well, um, Veronica Cartwright was originally cast for the role, wasn't she? And. Uh, or at least, not sure. at least she was told that. she was cast as, or somehow the understanding. We got this new chick who's going to be big. She's going to be hot. And Veronica Cartwright did not was not told that she was no oh. longer uh, Ripley. Oh, that's terrible. Until I think personal, she, she just showed up on the set. Just showed up on the set and was saying the wrong lines. Yeah, I tried to Jedi mind trick her into thinking. Well, of course, Veronica, it, it is apparently true. This the story that happened that we hear about later when the during during the chest burster scene, what they did to Veronica Cartwright yeah. in that <laughs> is apparently true. That I have not heard. Oh, I'm we'll, very we'll, curious. We'll, save, we'll save it when we get to that point. But uh, it's a very Kubrickian trick. Right. Maybe it's a British director thing. I don't know. Because Do British directors are, you know, aren't so much method. They're just kind of like, we're making dicks. a movie. Yeah. Suck it up. Here we go. There's a there's a great – if you ever read a book called Shoot to Kill by Christine Vichon, she's an indie producer, did like Boys Don't Cry and, and a bunch of indie darlings. She has a really good uh, chapter about dealing with British crew and just like the differences, especially on the indie level. I would highly recommend reading that. It is, it is very different. Like what? Just uh, – she had to fire uh, one of her ADs because their union hours are different. Also, British culture, you drink a beer or two at lunch and you add that along with – with an indie producer who's used to having to, you know, uh, scrimp and save every single cent and sort of the, I don't want to say, I don't want to by any way besmirch them and say lazier, but just a, a different style of work ethic uh, for some of the British crews. And it just, it created a lot of conflict. There's but, also, there because it's Britain, they're, they're much more hierarchical. They're much more yes, aware of, yes. you know, and so uh, George Lucas 
Sinclair was one who, you know, an American director with a British crew. And, they, you know, who's and a this, relatively young director. Who's too. this kid who we've yeah. never heard of? Why should we respect him and work for him? Same with Christine Vachon, a, a female lesbian American in a British, you know, environment with a mostly British yeah. cast and crew. And I remember, it wasn't Lucas, it was another director I read, but he talked about the first couple of days with the British crew. He was like, oh dear. And he had to sort of establish, like, no, this, you know, he, he literally brought them, like, other movies and showed them at lunch. Like, look, I did other movies. These are the movies I've done. They were like, oh, all right, I guess you're all right. Isn't that cute? Yeah. Uh, Say, so have some skills then. All right. Do you guys have any um, issues with any of the casting? Because I think it's pretty much perfect. Uh, spot on. It's pretty much dead on. It's hard to imagine anyone I, else in yeah. any roles. Harry Dean Stanton, like, perfect for that role. Uh, Ian Holm, uh, I'm just such a huge fan of Ian Holm. And Yafit Koto was... A, was a, you, and John Hurt. At least you knew who Yafit Koto was when this movie came out. Again, yeah. he was. He and Tom Skerritt were like the two you're going to go, oh, I've seen them before. Yeah. Um, I can't remember ever having seen... Um, Harry Dean Stanton in anything. This was a, a movie also put him on the map pretty much. I had a conversation with a, a studio executive, a, a Disney studio executive, where we were talking about science fiction movies and what makes them successful or not. And and you haven't lived until you've had a conversation with a studio executive <laughs> about what makes a movie successful because it'll curl your hair. Um, because make the, your mama white. Yeah, exactly. It'll make your mama cry. Um, that and, shit will turn you white. And he said, well, you know, when you're doing, he literally said, you know when you're doing a science fiction movie because it's so hard for the audience to get a grasp on that. You really need to have a major star um, and to do it. And I said, well, you know, like, you mean like an alien? And he goes, well, Sigourney Weaver was an alien. <laughs> and I said, mm. no one had ever heard of Sigourney Weaver when she was an alien. That's what made her a star. And he was like, oh, I guess you're right. Yeah. Oh, wow. So... You're so delicate with the with the uppity. <laughs> well, then I punched him in the nuts. Are you kidding me? Of course. That's why I don't work for Disney anymore. Took his sandwich, ran his foot over. <laughs> I took his lunch money, and I told his mom about it. Dressed him funny. That's right. Um, no, I was uh, Sigourney Weaver at Comic Con this year. She was part of this Entertainment Weekly panel about women in sci-fi, and it was her. It was Zoe, Sal- Zoe Saldana from the new track, Star Trek, from the new track, and uh, from Avatar. And uh, Elizabeth Mitchell from Loss and Eliza Dushu. And they were talking. And That's they, a panel. It was so great. Yeah, so Tony Weaver's looking around going, who are these people? <laughs> I know. Yeah. Lick my boots, Amakis. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's no. more like raise your hand if you haven't worn panties in a major motion picture. Yeah. Everyone, good. Okay, yeah, we got that no, covered. But they, they were asking her specifically about the Ripley role and sort of the idea of it being you know non-gender cast. And she said, uh, you know, what was it about uh, Ripley as a woman as written? that you know or what's sort of the key of, of finding good roles she's like my thing is like i look for good roles whether they're written for men or women or not and the thing about ripley her gender sort of informed the backstory but there was nothing about her gender that was an issue with her decisions or her character or anything like that she just she was in that in that moment yeah. and in that reaction and she you know th- and i just i, I kind of liked her I don't know her sensibility about that. What's so great about it, you know, why it's a good trick to pull is whatever bias the writer might have had, and we right. know, you know, is you know the role isn't written for a woman to say what someone thinks women should say or right. do in a movie. It's you know, it's like wait, it's just, damn these female just, hormones yeah. in this scary situation. Yes, yeah, no. just, and then I burst into tears. I wish I were a man so I could fight. And I twisted my ankle, and someone had to come rescue me. I mean, and none I of that happens. I have to say, I love. I've always, from day one, I've always loved the Nostromo, the ship itself. Now that now that we're seeing it detached from the mining platform. Right. Trey, have you been involved in uh, the shooting? I'm assuming you have uh, the shooting of a ship for a space model scenario. A little bit, a little bit. I, I understand the process a little bit, but I mean, the nature of it is you build the model, you put it on some sticks, light it good, yeah. and then you shoot it a million times. Yes. 
Is, I mean, is, is there is there more to it than that? Not really. Um, other just, than just everything, it, yeah. That's, it seems like, well, that's hard, like it seems like it'd be hard to light for there's, scale. There's no more to it than you know dancing as you go on stage and jump around. The rest is details. I love so, these vector no, graphics. Okay. <laughs> so right. um, it's yeah, lighting is scale. Lighting is important and scale atmosphere. I mean, they're doing actual atmosphere tricks here. You know, it's not just space anymore. Now they're having to do. Um, this is a bit. First of all. The, trick to, mo- to miniatures is try not to be miniature. This is a big model. I mean, if you see this thing in person, and it was part of the traveling exhibit, this sucker's huge as far as a miniature goes. It's like 15 feet long. Yeah, it's big. So that helps. Right there, that helps. You know, you, you can you can The more get, detail you can cram. You can get lights that are this big, and then that'll make it seem much better in scale. And actually, uh, the whole fiber optic, um, using fiber optics as light sources was just starting to really get used. Star Trek did it. Star Wars did it. Um, Battlestar Galactica television show did it where they actually would embed little little points of fiber optics and you can get these tiny pinpoint lights that you couldn't get with any kind of actual bulb. Um, like, for example, this. I don't know how they did it, but this this row of crazy lights they've got strung underneath the thing. Well, what I'm curious about is people always talk about without the limitations of practical cameras, directors using CG for their ship sequences can do anything equals bad argument. It can be, yeah. Is, did it get to the point with models? And even models are still used. It's not like they're gone now. But for when they were, when that was what they were doing ships with, and that's the, that's what we got to do it with. Was there? Did it ever get to the point where the limitations weren't as bad as they used to be? Oh, well, it was it continued to get better. I mean, what they're what they're doing here is is pretty sophisticated. Um, you know, I, I would imagine this thing is so big you can see it's actually venting real. They've actually managed to pipe yeah. real freon or whatever they're blasting out of this thing, um, and the scale is holding up pretty well. Um, you know, gas is always tricky in in, in scale. Um, people get better, and, and technologies would you know would get better. Uh, you know, Star Wars, there was a big breakthrough there with motion control, but but uh, like Brian, um, can't think of the fellow's name. He did he did Space 1999 and uh, and I think Empire Strikes Back for ILM. Brian, somebody was the lead effects guy. Brian Finnefter, uh, yeah, Brian Finnefter, <laughs> yeah, good job, Brian. <laughs> Thank um, you guys. He was doing I, you know the yeah. did it you know uh, Space 1999, which was done around the same time, um, was all done where the where the miniatures were on wires, were on invisible wires, and they actually had these amazing rigs that would actually literally fly them around on miniature sets, and you didn't do optical stuff. Um, and that technology got pretty sophisticated. Um, so it was, it was a gradual learning process. But, um, you know, miniature shooting by this point, um, and it only had another decade at most to go before it would all get thrown away and replaced by computer graphics that had gotten as sophisticated as it gets. We talked about in the Abyss commentary how there's some things where you you can have all the computer power in the world, and in 2009-10, it's still not going to make that submarine crashing into that underwater cliff any better. Exactly. Then actually having a submarine Just just make a goddamn submarine and a goddamn cliff, fog up the room, and go. It's funny. I was was in Hawaii in 2007 for a a vacation with my wife, and we did a horseback trail right near the set of Lost where they actually blew up a real damn submarine for that episode where they blow up a submarine. Yeah, Yeah, that was like a real submarine that they built to scale and blew the shit out of it. Wow. Nice. I know. And nothing. Uh, yeah, for a TV show? For as, a as TV compared, show. As compared to also on Lost, they did one of the worst digital submarine shows. Wasn't that ever horrible? Seen. Yeah. yeah. I think I think it's like, oh, cool. We just need to make a digital submarine. Well, we spent all the money blowing up the real one. Yeah. We should have shot it. Shot we should have shot a shot of it first before we blew it up. That would have been awesome. Who's doing the shot list? So there's some, some optical compositing. You know, you see the miniature here with uh, they they put people in the little windows and so on. But that's very minor and, and holds up just fine. You know. Not a lot of. Uh, I'm just endlessly interested in the the models aspect of it because obviously, I, I will hopefully at some point in my life be involved in that in some way. But for the if you if you look at the way that things are going, it's more likely I'll never get to deal with models and only be around CG ships. So I'm really it's the tactical nature of it and making stuff and all that. It, it it's just so it's so much cooler and it and it 
I can definitely understand arguments made by folks that just watch movies where they're like, models look so much better because, frankly, they, they kind of do. CG has its own look, and you can do really well on two CG. But in the nature of things, if you're, if you're scaling it against an absolute, this ship looks real because it is, and I can deal with the fact that it's the wrong size because they've tricked me into thinking it's not. There's such a great organic quality to shots like that that it, it annoys the hell out of me that I'm... There's not a great chance that my, my career will spin into a direction where I get to work on models. It's true, and it, also, and it also forces you, because it's real, it forces you to shoot it for real and not have these impossible... The camera Limitless. couldn't possibly do that, you know, and let's say, you know, and those, and those have their place. I mean, you know, a, a David Fincher-like impossible, let's zoom through the handle of the coffee pot to a close-up of whatever. Um, you know, that's a style. That's sort of an artistic statement that is being made there. But when you're trying to convince the audience that something is really there and not have them worry about, well, spaceships aren't real, so they're fooling, they're fooling me with this movie, and I don't like it. Um, you know, you, it you, want to, me. you don't want to cause att- call attention to the, to the stuff that isn't real. You want to just make it feel like you shot it because it was right there and you pointed a camera at it and you don't linger on it. So it's also, it can be a failing of the director and, you know, or the, whoever is in charge of making the decisions of how you apply the effects you do. And that impetus got us into the mess of, we'll shake the camera. No, we'll add lens flares. We'll add dirt. We'll add, like, everything we can put on top of it to make it feel more organic on right. these CG shots that weren't great to begin with. I also think, uh, I, liked, I like the fact that we're, what, 20 minutes into the movie now? And they, we only just now get a mention of weapons. Like, it's, it's, yeah. not, it's not a, a space shoot 'em up like It's very, it just, it goes, we've definitely set up the mundane of their jobs and just sort of like, oh, do we have to? Sort of attitude <laughs> that they have towards everything. And I like that in contrast with, like, sort of the danger that we're going to be experiencing later on with these characters. Well, I'm, just, I'm sitting here watching this and I intellectually I knew it, now I'm marveling again at just how slowly paced this film is and it doesn't bother me at all because spaceships so I'm <laughs> right. set yeah. right. it but doesn't bother me at all because I love 2001 yeah you know, it's, it's, pretty it's, much it's, I think it holds up I, you know, it may be that it's too slow for some people but uh, it's refreshing I'm with it it's so yeah. refreshing to just like sit here and just sort of just like, na- like just let things yeah. play out and just watch and it has and it, it's the suspense nature of it right. because you know even if you don't know the movie at all you know they're heading into something bad and yeah. you're, you know, you're yeah. trying to just look in all the corners going where's the bad thing going to come from and, and, it, and for that there's something to be said about the score uh, of course, yeah, there's absolutely. so there's so much like innocuous happening now. Like we, the landing sequence was was. I mean, George Lucas doesn't hold a candle to the landing sequence in this because uh, it, it just takes forever and there's a lot of technical mundane. They do a really great job of setting up the mundane so that when bad shit starts happening, at first it's sort of indecipherable as to. I mean, yeah, the, the movie is called Alien. We know an alien is going to appear at one point. Spoiler. Uh oh. But it's it's what the, the pacing really kind of lends itself to like this sort of Damocles effect where you're just kind of like you you don't know when the other shoe is going to drop. And it doesn't drop all at once, and I don't know. They just they don't make them like they used to. <laughs> nah, they so really, much. really don't. The looping in this uh, steam scene is not the best, right? Um, Sigourney, Sigourney's you're going to get what's coming to you. Just doesn't match her face at all. <laughs> it's funny but, you mentioned that. Well, like, screw that. Yeah, well, screw that. Well, as we it, would say at Galaxy Quest. I, I know that. Uh, I know. I mentioned this. Like I brought Walter Murch in, in one of the other ones that I did, but. Uh, you know, there, Walter Merchant sort of he has sort of like a checklist of what makes a good cut, and uh, you know, the visual continuity and things like looping comes like fifth out of sixth. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's the, what's, what, what does he have as the like, most important emotion? Thing like that? Emotion. You have to keep the emotion consistent. Then yeah. after that, you and I, to I totally buy that. I agree. Anyway, with that. Yeah. I, I believe that. I'm just I'm just saying because you'll see some egregious 
misleapings right. or or just you know clearly they're just editorial choices where right. because of how a scene was being put together you know if you have if you, if you're looking at the sh- an over the shoulder shot of a character the the shot is about the person you're looking at but if you're you know a, a weirdo like me and you look at the lips of the person of course, you know, of course. You know, often their oh, lips yeah, aren't yeah. matching at all what they're saying because the, the the shot was cut for what you're looking at and not what you're well, not what's in the corner of the frame and i totally understand that right. and i do it myself when no, i get yeah. things well, I, 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 I get it I work in a I work in mainly nonfiction and and you know reality television. So therefore, for me, it's like we make quote cheats like that all the time because we because there's bigger sort of things that have to be serviced. Also, you want to talk about horrible looping and horrible continuity, like just to the point of don't give a fuck. Thelma Schumacher, who is uh, yeah. Scorsese's editor, yeah, that woman does not give a damn. You watch Gangs of New York, like half the movie is outside. <laughs> oh yeah, like it's retarded. Oh yeah, like, it's so silly and like. But again, and same thing with The Departed, which I I love the hell out of that movie, but. Uh, she just doesn't care, and you know what? I don't think she should. It's it's yeah. you know. You don't have to if you don't want to. What was uh, what comes after? What comes after emotion in his shot list? Uh, yeah, I, d- I don't ha- I don't have the book in front of me, but uh, stuff I like emotion things uh, in any order, but like that uh, pacing, uh, you know, sort of vi- you know, the visual storytelling aspect of it, and then continuity comes like fourth or fifth. And that's, then, that's interesting. Yeah, no, it's it's a great read. It's about 125 pages. You can read it in like less than a day. And it's uh, it's you want you want to talk? I mean, that is like a book with a capital B, though, as far as like film theory goes. Cool. Back back to the 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 flick here, the flick in question. These these spacesuits had this crazy, ridiculously ornate samurai style to them. I mean, yeah. if you actually get a good look at these spacesuits, they look like if samurai had you know, spacesuits. You know what's funny though? It reminds me of the early concept art for Darth Vader. Yeah, when they yeah. were when they're going for the samurai shape. direct samurai uh, warlord helmet. Yeah, yeah. But the, the the fact that it's they're covered with these little you know armored dots, you know, and these little they have this sort of look at that epaulets shit. that stick out. Yeah, there you go. I love matte painting movies. Yep. But what, again, as far as like li- lived in sci-fi, you look at those suits. Those are some worn, beat-down suits. Beat These down are and they're heavy as hell too. Yeah. They're, they're uncomfortable, and you can tell they're uncomfortable. I, I give uh, Firefly a lot of credit actually because those those suits as well. Those are pretty good. They, they, they're they pretty good-looking suits. Yeah, I mean, and, and by good-looking suits, we mean horrible, beat-to-shit, you know, lived-in yeah. suits. Because well, because and, and part of the reason is because they they weren't built for the show or the movie. They're they're literally off-the-rack rentals. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> so I, I for were, one wish I could see some more of those suits. Yeah, they didn't get clean. They just had Purell rubber. Well, no, and the reason, of course, the reason, I, and thank you, Teague, for the setup. If this was the Tonight Show, you'd be uh, you'd be my Andy Richter. Um, is is I went to the place that rented them, and I rented them for for the show I did called Art. Um, and I almost rented the entire suits, but I thought, no, that's going to look like we're ripping off Firefly intentionally because the suits are cool, but everyone knows those are the Firefly suits. So right. I just I rented one of the helmets that appeared in an episode of Firefly, but not a regular episode. So yeah, I've seen the Starship Trooper suits and other shitty. And those are those are now available, in, Firefly. including Firefly. Yeah, uh, yeah. Those are those are now available. That's for right. Rent the as Alliance, well. the Alliance, yeah, the like Alliance the wears Starship right, Trooper, yeah. you know, leftover rental armor. The Nazi, the Nazi suits. The, no, the, the, the armor suits, the armor suits. Okay. helmets, like the, little, and the helmets, and the chest plates. Not, not Neil Patrick Harris's neocon. No, no. no, no that's it's afraid. It's afraid. It's afraid. One of the other things that was radical about this movie that you didn't see that often, um, Ridley Scott is often his own DP and certainly was in these days. He started as a DP and became a director. And you know this the, this very unconventional, unpretty lighting that he does, which is something that you, you still still to this day you don't see much of. Um, Firefly actually sparse and negative you, space stuff. Use the theory, yeah, where it's not like everyone's got a beautiful beauty pass. You know, everyone's got a key and a fill and a you know an eye light and stuff like that. It's it's the lighting is very organic, especially on board the ship. Yeah. Is stuff is lit because it needs to be lit because it has a function. 
and everything else that doesn't need to be lit isn't lit, and the actors are wherever they happen to be, and sometimes they'll be in shadow, or they'll be this you know eclipsed by this strong one key light, or they'll they'll be backlit. It's you know it's it feels very. You know, and it feels very gritty and feels like, you know, it's a you are there kind of a feeling that that gives you. What's funny to me is that the theory of lighting for lighting and not lighting for reality, where it's like, you know, what would be cool on this bank of computers? Blue. You know, shit like that. <laughs> it, 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 the the yeah. way that's penetrated into actual lighting design, and, and I always kid around with Brian because I took the full sail tour and if you take the full sail tour it's basically you know it's got render farms and it's got servers and you walk past them and they've got windows built in so you can see through the wall and they're all lit with green spots and it's like Terry Gilliam lit full sail is lit for the tour it is (laughs) there you go I think of two things when I think of that I think of uh, the computer and war games because war games games is my favorite go to but I also think of that one line from Boogie Nights where uh, they're about to light the set and the guy is like so how's it going he's like oh there's a hard shadow over here and Burt Reynolds' character he goes, there's shadows in life. <laughs> that's, just, yeah. that's his answer for yeah. There's the shadows in life. Shadows in life, man. Yeah, yeah, but this is kind of severe. <laughs> this is uh, yeah. yeah. There's, there also aren't giant organic alien spaceships in life kind, much know, either. It does say a lot about it's. It's part of lighting theory for spaceships in space, where you make something you don't you don't light it, you give it lights, and that's it. It's it's such a great stylistic choice because it allows you to play with the compositions without spending too much on lighting, or not in terms of money, but in terms of time equity. Where it's like uh-huh. they've got lights on their helmets, and that makes it awesome, and it takes no time to set up. Right. As opposed to, we have to lit the set, and we'll be there for four hours before we're ready. All right, and we're good to go. Okay, two shots done. It's like, no, they've got helmet lights. We're good. We're done. Yeah. And, and just, you, you also get away with uh, much less work on the actual set itself as well. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Totally. I'm here to tell you. Totally. Yeah. That, that kind of goes back. I mean, uh, yeah, the, some of the early filmmakers, I'm going to butcher their name, but the Malays brothers. They're two of the very early. I think early it's Malay. Malay, yeah. Malay. Before, they were yeah. Film, before they got into film, they were magicians. And I think I there's. I love that fact. I love yeah. the fact. Well, that's. And I think. I think film pretty like, much was the province of magicians. It was this toy that you could create illusions with. Exactly. But it's like, it's it's all sleight of hand. Like, And yeah. I think I think a few filmmakers say, like Michelle Gondry, guys like that, they understand. That. They understand, Michelle like, Gondry look over that. here while I do this, and uh, it's it's distraction and and throwing your attention. And I'm sure the you know that shot a few minutes ago, of just literally, there's probably very little behind them, and you know, just they, it's it's like what you were saying about time equity and economy of your resource. This again in '77, the nature of science fiction from major studios, and this is a Fox movie. Yeah. Um, you know, it it was very stunted. I mean, the the fan you know, Star Wars had come out, but the fanboys taking over the asylum and getting to make movies of their own phenomenon was only just getting going. This actually is, is one of the f- beginning of that wave. Um, this, this actually was written by um, uh, Dan O'Bannon, who was a, a classmate, a you know, contemporary of Lucas's at, uh, at uh, USC. And, and, and he actually, this is actually kind of a, the non-comedic version of his cult film that he made called Dark Star. Um, this, is, uh, this is actually the not funny version of Dark Star, really, by Dan O'Bannon and Ronald Schissett. Um, which which exists as a movie. It, uh, it was John Carpenter's earliest movie. Um, so that whole crowd was starting to get work, and and movies like this are the result of it. But but you're starting to see something that's so not typical of what Hollywood would make when they said we're going to make a science fiction film, and that means people in tunics. Logan's Run is what Hollywood thought science uh-huh. fiction movies were. Um, you know, it's a contemporary of this movie. Is Logan's Run it comes out around the same time. Um, that's what Hollywood studios thought science fiction was: is people in tunics with you know big, big shiny you know. I have a soft for Logan's Run. Yeah, yeah. it's 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 kind of weird, cheesy fun in its way. But uh, but then a movie like this comes out that just everything about it is so alien, you might say, to what normally you see in science fiction movies of any kind. Now it's like this is almost cliche because it's been reused so many times. But this was a radical looking movie. 
um, when it came out in 77. And, and I, for one, went, wow, that's, who made that? Because they, they're thinking so differently than everybody else who's out there making movies. It's unfortunate. I wish I could see this movie uh, separately from the cliches that it has spawned. Yeah. Because you, I know. you can't help but watch this or Blade Runner. And, or Spawn. And, what's that? Or Spawn. <laughs> you said Spawn. It's Spawn? Spawn? <laughs> Never mind. Uh, anyway, you can't help but watch Alien or Blade Runner and, and see everything that has come from them and see them as it, their own convention and, and not see them as like what you're talking about, Trey, of vastly I think it's, kind of, it's, it's, it's akin to seeing Die Hard now. If, yeah. Right. Again, yeah, yeah. seeing Die Hard was so revelatory when it came out. It was like, wow. So, you know, it's, this is what an <laughs> It was like a two and a half hour Apple Think Different commercial. It was like, whoa, why don't they make movies like this? Well, of course, for my sins, they then began to <laughs> yeah. have it stopped. They should make more of these. They should make more movies like this. Not, not this many, but they, they should. Um, and this is another example. This is, this is a movie that... Um, you know, had had only everyone who who ripped off this movie absorbed the the intelligence underneath of it. You know, I don't think uh, many people who who ripped off Alien uh, have heard of Joseph Conrad, for example. Exactly. Um, there might be a little more under the hood of this movie than, than some of the some of its knockoffs. Would it be easier or more difficult, or just different challenges to create, uh, you know, critter and, and organic material built onto walls and the set pieces? I'm assuming because it doesn't have to hold itself up, it doesn't have to move really well. It could be basically a sculpture. And it's just kind of gooed up before the shoot, or would that just be something? I don't. I mean, As opposed to a creature that walks well, around. And, well, yeah. I mean, if you're going to make like a, a puppet or a walking prosthetic or something like that, it's got to hold its own weight and it's got to move realistically, or it's not, it's going to fail based on reasons of physics. And in this case, it's sitting there being creepy. Yeah. So, well, so it's it's a different set of challenges. Like we like we said in our in the Team America uh, commentary. Um, sorry, available down in front. Available down in front. Net. Dot net. Thank you very much. Um, is is the more you know about and the more the director will commit to this is what I want in the shot and this is what the puppet needs to do, the more you can design it to do exactly that and do it beautifully. Um, if, you, if you come into the set where because of budget or because people haven't thought it through well enough or they just don't want to make a decision where the puppet has to be all things in all possible ways, then you're going to look at a lot of setup time while you kind of improvise, well, how do we make it do that? Um, which was the case on like another movie I did called The Blob where we just had a blob. And every day they said, here's what the blob does today. And then I had to literally figure out, how the hell am I going to make it do that and get it to happen? Um, so if you, have, if, you, if you know that the creature is it's, it's on a wall and one tentacle comes out and it does a thing, well, then you build that and you focus on that. And it can rule. Exactly. And you can generally God, tend to do a little so better. This is so creepy. I, I think we yeah. – I think So we, these eggs, I mean the, the fact like that – It's like Godzilla, the new one. I loved it. So, so, so to like, <laughs> so like re- referencing what – this is also is very early use of this idea of using a, a spread laser uh, in a smoky room to yeah. get this sheet effect. That was also kind of rare. You didn't see High that. school problems were never the yeah, same. Yeah, you didn't see it so often because lasers themselves, these you know, were, were a little bit rare. So yeah, so you've got this thing where this, this thing just is supposed to sit there and be a, a, a grotesque, fleshy thing. Thing and then explode out. Well, you know that's 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 a good straightforward set of demands, and you can build something that that works pretty well to do those things. So you create the uh, the exterior shell after. I'm assuming you make the goo that goes inside of it and all the little pieces and all that, and then you build around that, and it's just built with like a, like an air charge or something. Or yeah, if, if you know it's going to be, you, you figure out. Well, it's like if it's going to jump out, how can we do that? We could do it with strings. We could do it with a, by reversing the footage. We could do it by shooting upside down. You know, you, you examine all the possibilities. Some of the footage in this is reversed. You can even see because there are drips that are yeah, dri- dri- that. dripping drip backwards, dripping north. Um, you know, so that's just how it is. Um, you know, you, you, you design it how it is, and, and then you go from there. So here we go. So what great, a great movie Feed moment me. in the theater coming up. You know, because you just know. I mean, they built the suspense. They've just made the suspense interminable by this point. God, that looks so cool. And Diaper then, like, now. you know, 
Now, if you break that down, and thanks to the wonders of DVD, not much went on in those cuts. I mean, you saw you saw some tentacles being yanked out. It looks like they're being pulled by a string. Um, and then you saw John Hurt with the thing already fully attached to his helmet just fall over backwards. You never actually saw much happen. It's all done with editing and, and quick cuts. Um, and works just fine. It was, it, in the theater, if you see this movie with a... You know when the movie was new, and and again it was like that moment in Jaws. You know that was a, that was a scream, a scream went up when that thing explodes out of the egg. Even though on DVD, if you single frame it, it's really not so much with the exploding. It's not doing that much. It's well, not much you see. More seeing. of a suggestion. It's yeah. Half of it's the sound. The yeah. fact that it makes it the sound. The sound design is pretty exceptional. <laughs> on this. Uh, I would say we'd be kind of remiss if we didn't like point out the artwork of H.R. Giger on yes, this one. Because, well, now that he's in the movie. Now that, now exactly, that he showed up. Yeah, now that he's there. And, Although the, the spaceship is also... The spaceship is, is about, I was specifically thinking about like sort of where the alien habitats are taking over the, 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 the colony there. Uh, you, you start to see it. Um, now, when I say I suggest we talk about it, I did not in any way mean for me to be that guy. Uh, because I know... <laughs> well, feel free. I know, well, no, I, know comp, I know relatively little to his background. All I know is he does amazing work here and... Uh, you know, he was he did a lot of art for Heavy Metal magazine. But uh, short of that, I don't know as much about him as I probably should. I just love what he does here. Just yeah. the design, the sort of non-humanoid design. Just very, you know, the, the idea of an alien organic creature having such sleek and uh, almost machine-like yeah. in nature is... is Giger's thing was always, before he did this movie, I mean, he, he was a known crazy artist. And then they said, hey, why don't you design this alien for this alien movie we're doing? Um, you know, the biomechanic was the phrase. Yeah. That, that he was, you know, his thing was very Omni magazine, you know, yeah. um, you know, people who were sort of half machine and, and these biological things that were kind of grotesque and, and disturbing to look at. Um, that was his style. So they, someone just said, hey, we should make that in a movie. And here it is. And I love how we we didn't see the facehugger going through the helmet like that. We just this is the first instance yeah, that we've got. This is another. But you're like, what am I looking at? I can't even tell what I'm looking at. And yeah. then they finally reveal, and this this makes it delightful, crunchy, crunchy, cracky, noise when gooey. They, yeah, yeah. Like, what? The, uh, what am I? So it's it's great. It's playing with uh, suspense because again, you still don't know what. What am I looking at? Okay. <laughs> Did it eat him? Is this some kind of what am I? And then finally they do this reveal where it's like, oh, really it, great little character moment on Ian Holm there for a second. You can through his uh, mask, you can almost see like a half a smile in there. Like it's very <laughs> subtle, but you can see it. He's like, hey, awesome, exactly. Well, I mean, as we know now, he he. This is kind of what he was hoping for. This is yeah. kind of what he was wanting. Spoiler. That is so wholly creepy. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no, man. And there's not much going on other than John Hurt laying there with a piece of rubber on his face. Hey, How is, hey wet rubber. Wet rubber. How is John Hurt breathing during this? It's hurting him. Well, his, you can actually see how his breathing is actually animating it. You know, the fact that his, he's breathing through it, and that's yeah. what's inflating it, which the, is the, nice. the bladders oh, is that what's on the going side. On there? Yeah. yeah, the bladders connected to him. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. Kind of, that's so fucking that's, clever. He's just the alien. It. The alien is intubated him essentially. Yeah, and and they say it, the, the, uh, that it's feeding him oxygen, and that's the effect of it. It's and know, right there. Oh, yeah, so good. The thing, thing tightening on his neck. But the they, that's the most radical camera move. I didn't mean to interrupt it, but that was like the most radical camera move. There's that simple zoom. He actually right zoomed in, like whoop. But yeah, I mean, as far as puppeteering, you just grab the end of the tentacle and kind of pull it a little tighter, and hey, you got your shot. You know, simple stuff is the best. Let me hit random buttons. Yes, I'll, I'll hit all. There these. are keyboards on the wall. These, it must be the future. These, these I held three cards. I'm going for the full house. The identical yellow buttons that have no markings. I'm going to punch them in sequence. <laughs> it seriously looks like video poker. Yeah. Now, now I would say that that's that that's something that doesn't hold up, except that that's a conceit that still happens to this day. People still do that. You know what? Any movie that has vector graphics is okay in my book. Be damned at the time. I, I for some reason, I see vector graphics in a sci-fi movie. I'm, I'm good to go. Another thing, this movie, I'm very, very 
pleased with with them is they they don't spend they don't do a lot of as you know and they don't do a lot of they don't do, they don't do a lot of as you know in terms of the stuff that these people already know they don't go well the medical scanner of course will tell us everyone knows they all know what the medical scanner is and we don't need to know how the medical scanner works and, we just need and, to know what it tells us that's relevant to the plot right? yeah and really Scott Trust said if you put this guy in the thing and you press the button you're yeah. going to get it yeah, exactly. well, I guess it's that's some kind deal. of a medical scanner the, the ex- I think they're scanning him in they some way the exposition that we know as the audience is exactly the exposition that the characters are knowing in real time <laughs> yeah. which I'm a huge fan of I, I don't like you can give me I think audiences as much as we complain about the American movie an audience if you lead them properly they will you don't have to give them as much you don't have to speed no, feed them the whole landing sequence there's no like well of course we have to do this because the landing with blah i mean you just, you see them do it and it's it's like oh they're landing it's still one of the great realistic feeling sequences of that nature in, in that have ever been done in movies because they're, they're using all this jargon that they they seem very comfortable with that seems to make sense and have a consistency that we've just never heard before. Uh, and, space scalpel. Yeah. The space, oh, space scalpel, little. not so much. Styrofoam, styrofoam and acetone, cheapest effect in the world. Really? Yeah. That's that, the, wow. That's the simplest. <laughs> looks so I was doing that trick at the age of seven in my eight millimeter movies. I did that Much as well. Much to the chagrin of my parents because I'd use up all my mom's nail polish, which was, uh, you know, nail polish remover, which is acetone. I did that as well, not filming it, not for yeah, a movie, just yeah. sort of doing it because When that's you what learn it did. that acetone yeah. will eat through styrofoam, it's like the whole world has like, changed for me. The I, things I, I can do now. I refer to that day as Christmas because it yeah. was just such a great day in my four year old life. <laughs> Woohoo! Look, I can melt things. The fact that I'm the power of God was just a, a happy coincidence. Yes, exactly. I love this. Like, it's like something very simple. Like, we've got a race to make sure our whole ship doesn't yeah. get torn apart by this. We're chasing acid, and we've already established how tall, like how vertically tall the ship is. Well, also, I, we don't have any idea where they are inside of it specifically, but, you know. But also, I like it because it, it sets up the stakes not just for John Hurt, but for the entire crew. Like, oh, shit, this yeah. thing could potentially kill us all if we're not careful. Yeah, Fakoto with the thing is like, well, that's a hell of a defense mechanism. Yeah. yeah. It's also a great little, you know, incentive. We Can we kill it? Yeah. Yeah, we'd have to be very careful. Maybe, yeah, exactly. Maybe we shouldn't. Yeah. Uh, I've, got a, I've got a really good blender. Maybe we could... What if know. we don't? Oh, look at that. Get the, so get the baking powder before we take a, make a move on it. Put some cat sand around it. <laughs> Get some molecular acid. Molecular acid, which uh, okay, so we're making up terms. Some, Fine. Ben- some bendy science there. Yeah, for a second. a little, well, bendy, a little if, bendy, but that's all right. if we want to get into the idea of acid for blood in the first place. Know, right? Yeah, <laughs> kind of hard to. Yeah. It's it's not outside the realm of possibility because I don't know about you, but I'm packing quite a load of hydrochloric acid in my stomach right now, and it, I'm not dying yet. But right. um, you know, as for blood, well, maybe not so much, but. But you know, we 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 give them the well. It's an alien. Yeah, it's still better than many <laughs> chlorians. At least, uh, at least they its don't... spit is made of acid and will destroy your ship. We don't need to care. Yeah. At least they don't make the mistake of trying to give us an explanation that actually makes sense of that. They go, well, That's it true. bleeds acid. We got other things to think about it now. So I'm okay with. The, We're yeah. not going to talk about it. Bleeds that acid. That sucks. Yeah. I know. <laughs> That's, I'm, That's I'm, bad. Next I'm, item. I'm okay with bendy science as long as it's along the lines of like, hey, audience, you don't know what's happening? Hey, neither do we. <laughs> neither we do have we. no idea. So as soon as we know, we'll it really let you is know. for me. I get offended when they try and justify. I know, you know, and then they just make, then they start making shit up. That's what. That's when I get annoyed. It's like it's the one piece of magic. It's like fine, it bleeds acid. Fine, I'm with you. Fine, don't waste my time anymore. Let's move on. There was a there was a book that came out when Next Generation was out about like the science of the Enterprise. Oh and God, it, like, it was like the engineering of that ship. And There's it was, nothing it was, but pain down that road. Don't, don't really make fun is. of Brian's book. No, There's, no. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. <laughs> When, Wait. When Next Generation came out, what you're probably referring to is the, the, big the technical book. manual. Yeah, they, the tech manual. Which yeah. is, you know, written it, by Jordy LaForge. <laughs> 
Which oh god, yes, here we it's, go. It's Star Trek's and lore. It's make believe science, but the amount of thought they put in, and specifically towards okay, here's all the decks for the show. So when the art department has to label what deck they're on and what the doors should say, that's that's part of what I specifically was referring to how a warp engine worked and how that's well, a tad on the bendy. And they have like a thing where they say like, oh, if dilithium runs out, they just do the thing where they suck out particles from space. Why not do that all the time? You know, like I don't know, <laughs> yeah. but that's a that's oh, a bizarre ram oh, scoop. God, here we Busard, go. Ram scoops are real things. Damn it, Brian. Yeah. Brian, look. <laughs> next generation okay alright next generation Bendy one? Science I'll leave a hamper on your face next generation Bendy Science is not terrible it's later on it's, it's certainly not terrible it's, in the it, beginning there's worse. there's worse I'll grant you there's worse out there at, the end, at, the end at least they made an attempt holy shit right. we're watching Alien and talking about TNG this yeah. is a problem I, I, I didn't mean that it up. damn you Eddie what have you done I meant anyway. for witty anecdote, not for uh, anyway. Um, <laughs> it doesn't work. Brian. Apparently, you've touched a, <laughs> touched a nerve there. <laughs> we'll talk house cane. Oh, you know, alien on his face. Yeah, <laughs> I can't even imagine. Same how, old, same old. It's well, you know, cane. We, we talked a little bit about in Starship Troopers. We're talking about the nature of. We all just kind of give it that aliens are going to look like vaginas, regardless. Yeah. Like I don't know the impetus for that, but the face hugger when you see it. <laughs> Off, it's like, wow, that's kind of. There's definitely part of again, part of it, it's like it's it's akin to the thing in that regard. It's like, wait a minute, it, it it takes it grabs you and shoves a thing down your throat, and you're a guy. That's disturbing. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it's I don't know, it's I, absolutely playing on that. Well, that is true. However, I, I think anyone, man or woman, would object to having a giant knuckly acidic sure. thing jammed down their throat. But if you look at well, like, planet Earth, if exactly. you look at planet Earth and see any Shut nature up, of like, <laughs> of, if you look at planet Earth and like see any nature of, you know, flies with flowers and how that whole process works, it's not that different. And I think yeah. there's something primal about that, that even if you're not aware of it, you just, you're molecularly, your body understands and how that's like just a gross violation. And I think that's kind of tapping into that a little bit. But now, not- if it was an alien that raped you up the ass <laughs> yes. with, a, with a giant, Oh, well, you get the idea. Giant stinger. Well, that would be. I would totally buy that. Well, that's why there's there's a shot later on. Spoiler: where the the, uh, the alien is going after Veronica Cartwright, and there's just a, a, a quick little shot of its tail, which it uses like a tentacle, kind of reaching up between her legs and grabbing her from behind. And there's nothing graphic or even remotely graphic about that. And yet, it, I always see that shot and go, "Oh, that's just. It just feels like it's going the wrong way." However, this movie does very well in Japan. I'm not surprised. Yeah. I'm not surprised yeah. at all. Now this this brings up you know the the whole idea of the alien life cycle which which again what was shown and what wasn't shown in this movie and what was cut out of this movie specifically is what enabled Jim Cameron to expand on it in certain ways and Ooh. posit the whole idea of the alien queen, which actually the original version of this movie didn't would would have cut out i mean the original way that the life cycle worked there there's no there's no alien queen in this life cycle the way this movie was shot, but the key scene that would have made the alien queen impossible was cut and, and didn't end up in the final movie. Uh, which was? It was a scene when, uh, when Ripley is running through the, fi- the, the uh, ship on her way out. She encounters um, Brett and Dallas, and uh, Brett has already mostly been turned into an egg, and Dallas is, is in the process of being turned into an egg. Um, the original life cycle of the alien was the facehugger impregnates you, the chest burster comes out of you, it grows to adulthood, it gets another victim, entombs them, and they become, become an egg. the egg. Interesting. Um, ah, that makes more sense from a biology standpoint. Yeah, because there are insects that work that way. Where right. they will, yeah. you know, They'll lay their eggs in, in a living host, and that'll become the larva. And they know, just the, explode, yeah. The, the food sack for the, for the new egg. Um, that was that that scene, and you can see it. It's probably on this DVD of, of it's a missing scene where she she finds um, Kane and Dallas, and Dallas is still alive enough 
and of course he does the you know kill me and she does which um, they bring back in which they bring back in but, yeah. but but the fact that that scene is missing is what enabled Cameron to posit the fourth phase the, of the life cycle by the saying Uber. that there's that the eggs are being laid by an alien queen which was not part of the original life cycle plan but we wouldn't have had giant heavy loader fight we wouldn't have it wouldn't yeah. have the whole movie so it's fortunate in that regard but the heavy loader thing's pretty important it's pretty bad yeah, i love that thing so hard. it's brilliant um Big, a big piece of plastic with a guy inside. Genius. <laughs> so here's a, you know, here's a great... Oh, good. He's fine. Yeah, he's fine. He'll wake up in a sec. Now Why let's you, never talk about yeah, this again. Why don't you shake him, see if he comes around. Hey, man, remember um, when you... You had that thing in your face? And raped and, your mouth? Yeah. Was, <laughs> God, oh, you were so scared. You were out of it, man. Oh, oh no. I won't tell nobody. Not I won't tell again. nobody. Remember oh. that time right before that when you were totally fine? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What was that like? Yeah. Good time. Now, this scene Good is times. a great little suspense scene because, of course, it's just one take and it just goes on and on and on and on. And we still haven't seen much happen from this alien other than, you know, a, a jack-in-the-box trick. But the fact that it culminates with this with this piece of hardware falling over. Oh, I and, know. And freaking, here it comes. Sigourney Weaver's about to freak out. She's like looking underneath it like, yeah. You know. <laughs> Jeez. Sorry. Jeez. Meanwhile, he's holding Phil Donahue's microphone. He apparently. is. <laughs> is the caller there? Yeah, yeah. Close the door. Good thinking. Good thinking. Close the door. So this is just. A I great- don't like the idea that in the future doors become easier to open because Velociraptors <laughs> got knobs. <laughs> yeah, and knobs aren't intuitive. Yeah. They just had a button, or, or God forbid, a motion sensor. And it's lit up right next to the door, as if to say, yeah. "Here, Raptor, press this." It's it's funny. Press you- me to eat people. It's yeah. funny you mention that. My buddy uh, used to work at Pixar. He was an assistant editor on. Um, Nemo, and he said their render farm, their render man, like their central render farm, uh, had a room that if it detected any level of fire, all the doors closed on their own, vacuum sealed, sucked out nice. all the oxygen. And, it goes and, I, on, yeah. and I said, brilliant. That's really I said, cool. yeah, no chemicals, just sucks all the air completely out. So what if someone goes in there and tries a cigarette? That was the question I had, and they said, <laughs> you will die. Yeah. Like, they just, unequivocally, you will die if that happens. Like, right, there, there exactly. is some sort of override, but there's a solid chance you'll die. For Finding Nemo, it's worth it. Yeah. Exactly. It's finding well, Nemo, man. I think Pixar is worth a death every couple of 20 years. I just I feel that way. <laughs> well, if you're, if you're going to walk into the Pixar right, computer room and smoke a cigarette, I think you deserve you what deserve you what get. happens to you. Hey, yeah. look, a puppet. Yeah. It's a, it only does, that puppet only does the one thing. It goes, nink, and, and contracts its legs. It's not a puppet. It's an alien. Would, it yeah. be, would that be uh, little wires in its fingers that are just getting tugged on from below? And it's, yeah, that could, be a very, that could be a very simple armature. I dissected that in eighth grade. You can do it with a piece of, piece of tubing and some mono, monofilament. You can Ugh. do that. So one of the things I've heard about this from the, in the creature world, and it certainly looks to be the case, is um, when Giger – because Giger – as I understand it, and again, feel free to go to IMDb and tell me I'm wrong, but um, Giger himself built a lot of these things because there aren't that many creatures in this. There's one, there's one final alien, there's one facehugger and a couple of variations of the facehugger and one and baby. The rest is like eggs. One chestburster and some eggs. That Giger actually did some of the, you know, free sculpted a lot of the hands-on stuff, um, including this thing. And uh, the story goes, whether it's apocryphal or not, is he, he showed the, the, the creature to Ridley Scott and said, well, here it is. I haven't painted it yet. And Scott said, what do you, have, what do you mean you haven't painted it? It's great. Um, and if you look at it, it does look like it's pretty much unpainted latex, which looks pretty flesh-like. It is so, so it looks like it's, you know, well, there's certainly some detail work on the guts on the inside, but it looks to me, I buy the story because the thing looks like it doesn't have any paint on it whatsoever. It looks like strictly the original out-of-the-bottle latex color. Which is probably a good thing because latex has a translucency to it before you put paint on it, which just like skin does, which gets ruined if you put paint on latex. So it could be one of the reasons it has that extra fleshy look on it is because it never got painted. 
from a like a from a cinematography standpoint, I just kind of love the the claustrophobia of everything. Like they they are in this giant ship on this giant mining platform with giant open rooms, and yet and in space. And yet yeah. everything is really tight and really even like the shots where he kicks out a ways back, like that that shot where the the thing fell over when they walked in. Everything has just got a, such a great claustrophobic. Feel Look how to much it. negative space they have behind them. Yeah. yeah, like usually it's set up so that you know they're you don't see that much uh, by, from whatever's behind the person. And I wonder if that's kind of psychologically setting you up to to look in the shadows for the monster later on and yeah. and whatnot. I wonder if that was on purpose or not. Moss Isley Space Point. <laughs> In fact, now that I think about it, we'll have to check the credits, but I think Brian Johnson is the name I was looking for before. Um, I think Brian Johnson may have been the effects guy on this um, because he was so adept, and he was British and worked out of England, and he was so adept at the wires. What a great effect that we can't see. Models on wires uh, spaceship trick um, as opposed to the optical ILM style of doing them. Because this all looks very practical. It's all entirely practical. There's almost no opticals going on except for a very few when they get into space. Sometimes there's an optical shot. That is so cool looking. Yeah. And again, they're, they're throwing jargon here that we don't need to know what it means. It all more or less makes sense in context. It seems like it makes sense. But, you know, it just it's what the achievement is that it feels real. It feels like, well, whatever these people do, this is them doing it. This is this, they have a job and they they're, they're doing it here. This is a real world to these people. And it's just such a – it's not like the, the spaceship where, oh, let's land on the planet. Boom, we've landed. Like it's such a labor. There's such a process and it's really hard for them to do with this. I mean you get a sense of like their labor outside of yeah. this particular mission. I can't even imagine how you would start building a model like that. I guess – I mean I, I can imagine Glue. The, the process of doing it. But when you get into the stuff where it's like – and this entire thing has to be bumpy as hell – and every little piece, I, I guess, what would it be, like painted straws and stuff like that? And just whatever can emboss on the texture a little and this, that, and the other? Plastic and- models are your best friend. There's a, there's a mandatorial shorthand here because without showing us the redocking, they've picked up their refinery again, which people get often confused about. They go, then what do they do about their refinery? This is the shot that says they redock with the refinery and they're headed back to Earth now. But they, they kind of shorthanded it with one quick shot. Well, we've seen it once already. We've seen the docking procedure once. We don't really need to see it again. Yeah, that's the theory. But some people missed it. <laughs> Some people are stupid so, heads. Yeah, but uh, plastic models were, you know, were and still are the best friend of of the movie model maker because they're already built in with their little. When they have the little doodads, and they're and they're 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 based on real world doodads. You know, like the the original Battlestar Galactica, the television series. Um, I know that the 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 back, the engine nacelles, the big sort of area was just Sherman tank tops one after another. Interesting. Um, you know, with extra stuff put on top after that, but you know, it just it was these plates, and they just they bought fifty-seven Sherman tank models and glued them in a row, and then put extra doodads on them because Sherman tanks were practical machines that had little doodads. So rather than try and invent them, you just take something that has real doodads and it has that look. It looks like a real thing, and hopefully people don't go, "That's a Sherman tank stuck on the back of Galactica." There. Unfortunately, there's a pretty sturdy overlay of the Sherman Tank enthusiasts and the BSG fans. <laughs> it's a big Venn diagram. Well, I just woke up after Alien Possession, well, and man, am I tired. Yeah. How do you feel? Throat feels raped. Yeah. <laughs> you? Got a little bit of a sore throat. <laughs> yeah. I just I like the idea of just being pissed and grouchy. How do you feel? My throat was raped. How do you feel? <laughs> yeah, He's you... smiling entirely too much for like being a, an alien sex crime victim. He, yeah. I'd be so, fussy, so I fussy. I don't think they've quite told him that yet. He just, he just all he is, is yeah, the joke. Is. As he goes here, he, he just remembers smothering. They haven't even got, Well, see, you had this alien on your face. I wonder Did, if you even... I what? Was, was there... I don't recall just now if there was 
any discussion of should we tell him? Yeah, it's like because I wonder if I would tell if you're out with, if you're on a crew and with your buddies and there's you encounter this absolutely unforeseen no president right. event happens and the person's unconscious the whole time and you think it's done. Yeah. Do you even go? <laughs> they, they do, do you even go, dude? This giant like they do seem to be putting a, a, a happy face on this. They're like he's like he's like so yeah. what's going on? They're like oh we're on our way home everything's great. <laughs> I would uh, I, I would explain it to him much the same way my parents explained what sex was to me, which is hand me a book and say so. Do you know what an ovipositor is, right? Okay, well that's sort of happening. Kind of like that. Read read up on it uh, before bedtime. And so we'll, here we come to yeah. the famous scene, which oh, which yes. put me off Chinese chicken salad for about fifteen years. It actually made me really want it more. I don't know why. Like, I just I'm, I'm watching this now and I'm about this close to going to Panda Express. I think it's a Freud yeah. thing. Every man wants to be face raped by an alien. Uh, I, no, it's this, you got me. This makes me want to get have it come out of my chest. And of course, we, we'd be remiss not to mention spaceballs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. drink, is Scarrett drinking a real beer or a space beer? There? Space beer. Is, is, is that a real brand? That it, actually looks like, it actually looks like Zenergy brand energy drink. It does. He's, he's having a, a Schmidt space. It's a real space brand. So. And her space cigarette with her space lung cancer. Yeah, good for her. It reminds me of here we go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, here we go. Oh. Now, now the, there's going to be a quick shot coming up. And for the, I mentioned it earlier. For those that don't know the story, the story goes that Ridley Scott, obviously the actors knew they'd read the script. It wasn't a secret. But... Um, at least for one scene, Look and you can, you can see yeah, he's like, "Here we go." Um, <laughs> you can see Veronica Cartwright's reaction. Um, she is reacting supposedly very authentically to not knowing that they were about to spray her with cow guts. Oh. Um, and and so they literally like were saying, "Okay, here's everyone's reaction shot," and they had this thing hidden under the table that then on cue blew guts all over everybody. And you can uh, kind of tell because her you can, her shot, it, it her looks reaction, like a different setup. Her reaction, she's losing it, and yeah. uh, and apparently the apparently the entire the whole cut she actually goes over backwards over the couch um but it's about to come up you know when you see her oh. like it's a, it's a single on her that's coming up in this sequence when it's when the final explosion happens right. and she's flailing um and and uh you know at hey. this point she still thought she was going to be ripley yeah that's a, that's a that's a cruel director trick but you know there you go there oh. She oh, she's, was not ready for that shit so Oh, I can't even imagine how painful that would be. That's, that's I love I love John Hurt just spazzing yeah, there. John Hurt doesn't seem to have a breastbone, um, apparently. So don't yeah. touch it. It's beautiful. Yeah. Yes, beautiful. I love him. I, I love him. Creation. I love him. I promise. I'll take care of him. I'll feed him. I'll, I'll do everything. Don't worry. There, there's some there's some cheesy puppetry. Yeah, the, the yeah. drag the, the thing there, across yeah. the thing. Mm. But um, yeah, you have a go. Has he got a butter knife? Does you have to go to pull, <laughs> yeah, pull like a yank like up a butter knife? Yeah. I'm gonna kill a butter it knife the, will do no more damage than a finger. I'm gonna kill it with a butter knife. When there's nothing but a butter knife, you use the butter knife. Sure. When you when you have a butter knife. Yeah, when you know when an alien's popping out of you're hanging out with John Hurt. Until you can build the flamethrower, then you get the butter knife. So just, if they had just been a little quicker, you know, like catch it, box, airlock, <laughs> yeah, yeah. done. It's just that yeah. its mouth is this big. You grab it like it's a I snake. Know, right? I mean, what the yeah, hell? exactly. It's like it's like a really fussy mouse. You yeah. just kind of you know. <laughs> that was one pissed off mouse. I'm not going yeah. near that thing with metal teeth. Yeah. And I love how the, 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 the sort of the you know the embryonic stage that it has there. It's not fully black or metallic. It's, it's yeah, still it's, that it's fleshy. still the fleshy. Yeah. Now this this scene I always thought was was kind of interestingly nihilistic because it, it kind of tells you a lot about these characters. Is they here's here's uh, uh, Ash Ash no not Ash Kane Kane no Kane no, is dead Kane that's what I'm saying Kane yeah. John Hurt the body with yeah, the mummy Kane, we're yeah, looking exactly. at that's Kane right that's yeah. the name I should know that um, you know they're going to eject him into space and and Dallas says anyone want to say anything and no one has anything to say no one has the slightest you know sorry you exploded better you than me no one has anything to say you know they're all just like numb and they my words probably would have been yeah that happened yeah 
What's for dinner? Hope I'm not next. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. But I, it's my own personal thing, but the fact that, you know, no one went into a eulogy of any kind, it was kind of like, yeah, just launch him. <laughs> yeah, like, I, what, what is there to say? Would you really believe like, in God if that shit just happened? Yeah. Like, if you were a devout Christian, you'd be like, ah, nope. We're around in the middle of Jesus. a space and, and a, you know, a fucking latex remora just exploded out of a guy's chest. <laughs> I don't think God's anywhere near where we are right now. If I, and again, it's one of those things, if you're in this reality, I would have been like, are you fucking kidding me with that? That's what we've got. This yeah. is it. A, a space cow prod. Yeah. Uh, and it's another one of those things, like, why do you have this? He, they, 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 they don't. It's like, why do they have the flamethrower? No, the, the point is that they don't. He, 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 he rigged this out of tools. They, they don't have weapons yeah, on right. this ship. He's, he's actually made, well, if I make this, it'll, it'll be an electric shocking thing. And if I make this, it'll throw fire. I'd like to make a semantic correction, uh, correction to what Eddie just said. He said space cow prod. I think it should actually be space cow prod for prodding space cows. For prodding space cows. Ah, right. Space cow prod. I, I see your point. This thing I never bought. I have to say. Touche. What is this watering can that, that, that tracks things? <laughs> well, its vision is based on movement. In, right. in the future, yeah. gardening no, is that's, fancy. That's Jurassic Park, I think. But uh, the fact that it's you know, micro changes in air density is right on the cusp of, oh, right. you just made that up. But okay. Yeah. Good to see that crappy Hawaiian shirt's made it to the future. They did. I'm so happy. That Wash has still be a stop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good that's point. That's true. That's good and point. some people juggle geese. So what are you going to do? Right. Yeah. Right. Seriously, my hand to God, geese, they were juggled. Baby geese, goslings. I'm glad that smoking made it, to be honest with you. <laughs> I'm really glad. Smoking will always. And not only that, but you can smoke on spaceships. Apparently. I mean, how the, awesome ox- is that? the oxygen doesn't cause a Which problem. Which seems like a really terrible idea. Well, no, it's so funny mad. because you guys you guys saw Thank You for Smoking, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where the line is like, well, wouldn't they blow up in an all-oxygen environment? like scratching his face. Wouldn't they blow up in an all-oxygen environment? He's like, oh, yeah, okay. Easy fix. Uh, one-line dialogue. Thank God we invented the, uh, you know, whatever device. The thing device. <laughs> Which is itself bullshit because spaceships don't have all-oxygen environments after yeah. Apollo 1. So. Exactly. Because that was... We that learned was, that? Wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't it blow up? Well, we no, learned that lesson. We learned right? that lesson. It's not going to blow Grissom up. Grissom and his Paul Malls. <laughs> <laughs> Cigarettes, fine. Don't add Velcro. Yeah. Cigarettes, Velcro, and oxygen. Bad. Just as long as the door blows out, for the love of God. Now, this is uh, this whole set is... Uh, Look at that shit. It's beautiful. But but most of it is a style, is a, a technique. Because I've done, I've done movies, not just the project I did recently, where I, I didn't have to build the set. It was a standing set. But I've worked on low-budget movies. And this, this is a time-honored way of doing it. You go to the junkyard. You get as much junk as you can. You get every piece of anything that is manufactured. And you start gluing it to the walls and painting it gray. Um, that's, that's what this set is a little more sophisticated than most, but still, I mean, what you're looking at is, you know, a bunch of engine parts and whatever hunks of metal they could kind of stick together and not light very clearly to, to simulate all this, all this hardware. The cardboard solution is egg crates. Yeah. Egg crates are uh, great. And the styrofoam stuff. Styrofoam containers. In, like, styrofoam Lots containers. Of soundproofing. Soundproofing also, is yeah. great. Yeah. Soundproofing foam. You see that a lot. Now, even Ridley Scott is not above stooping to, to the old. It's just the cat. <laughs> Scary moment, <laughs> and that was my cat imitation. Yeah, it was great. That was great. Can you do that moment again? Um, yeah, it was like Donald Duck. Yeah, I know. I said, well, I didn't want to do because I didn't know what the if you're riding the volume properly. So that was my my pseudo cat imitation. But um, yeah, it's a cheap scare. It's a cheap scare, and uh, it's kind of like uh, even 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 when this movie came out, it was a little bit of a cheap scare. Um, you know, I think the movie that really popularized it was Cat People, of all things. Um, although in Cat People, the most famous one is a, is a bus that actually provides that cheap scare. Um, a bus suddenly comes into the shot and goes, and it scares you. Um, but the screeching cat, um, and this movie, of course, you know, gets, gets flack to this day for 
her going after the cat. The ship's exploding, and she's going looking for the cat. Um, I'm not. I'm not entirely upset about that. Myself. You know what she needs? Giant gun made out of a Steadicam. Yeah. Hopefully she'll get one in some movie eventually. We're, we're going to do Aliens. Right? Oh, yeah. Oh, right? yeah, oh you yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Because I want to talk about the fucking city. Maybe then. even the special edition. I'll stick around for Aliens. Huh? So whoever the Sigourney Weaver chick is, you know. She's hot. Thank God she got this movie because she does a good job. You know? yeah, she does. She, she did a lot of fucking sci-fi and, 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 and eerie-ass movies. She a, couple did this. Period, a couple of period pieces. And she did Ghostbusters, too, which yeah. is along these lines. And then later, of course, Galaxy Quest. Well, by then she was spoofing her her track record well, didn't at that she, point. Uh, well, was, wasn't she one of the controlling interests in Alien Four? And there was that whole she was thing. A, she was a producer. She yeah, had a producer she, 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 she didn't do the movie until it was the movie that she was willing to make. So yeah, she wouldn't show up otherwise. And, and that's a conversation for a for a different commentary, yeah. like the development process of crazy that. Edward Norton. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she wasn't contractually obligated to do Alien Four. She wanted to. That's a shame. Although, Winona Ryder and, uh, what's his name? Um, Bob Hoskins? No, but, well, yes, but, uh, I'm no, just, that was three, wasn't it? But, no, uh, Hellboy. Um, oh, uh, Ron Perlman. Ron, Ron, Ron Perlman, yeah. Who I just saw on my block about two weeks ago. Huh. They're shooting Sons of Anarchy on my street. Oh, no shit. And I okay. walked right past Ron Perlman. I was like, wow, that was Ron Perlman. Huh. He's a large boy. I've heard That's he's, a big heard boy. A wow. That's a large Will man. Will you sign my goatee? Yeah. Would you sign my horn? <laughs> My half a horn. Yeah, but um, so here we go. The 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 endless, the endless suspenseful scene of Harry Dean Stanton searching for the cat, which just goes on and on and on and on. And I don't know if it plays. You know, maybe it plays a little, not so great on video. But again, in the theater, it was just excruciating because this every th- all the thousand dark corners. You're just waiting. For, where's the damn thing going to come from? You know, I, look I, at this. No. It's like, where's Waldo from hell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I mentioned this earlier. I got to see, last Christmas, um, the New Beverly Theater here in Los Angeles had a uh, AFI's 70 and 70. It was 70 films in 70 millimeter. And oh, in one nice. night, I got to see Star Trek. It was a double feature of Star Trek II Wrath of Khan in 70, as well as Alien in 70 millimeter. And aside oh. from a little bit of magenta in the beginning, from pretty much, it was a very old print. It was definitely some oxidization in the, in the print. But one of the advantages of, of seeing it, and it wasn't on a particularly large screen, standard movie screen theater, but one of the advantages of it was you really got to see a lot of the detail of even it, like the black, the blacks were not nearly as, as crushed. Like you really got to see just a nice sheen of reflection and like the depth of field was pretty spectacular for a film and for a print that had been around for a really long time. Right. Oh, no, no. There, and what was great about it was that it didn't need any special chicanery. It didn't need any special retouching or digital whatever. It just literally uh, just good quality filmmaking in the moment when you film it. Uh, was enough to sustain the, you know that sort of uh, that sort of care. So, and again, here he's finding the, yeah. the show. It's like a first, yeah, this like, is the, oh, this it's a simple. It's a latex pour. Just uh, you know, take the mold and, and slough some latex into it and pull it back out. Done. Throw it on the ground. Make a wet shoot. But what it says to us is like, oh crap! Yeah. He's not small anymore. It's a little hint. Gee, he's shedding his skin. I wonder why he did that. Why do animals shed? Their- oh, they grow. Oh. Brian and I got to see uh, a cut of Aliens in 70mm, and it was oh. a brand new duplicate of the old master. So it, I think it was the first time Beautiful. it had been shown. Nice. It was, wow. it was absolutely pristine. The problem was, one or two of the map painting shots were like, 
kind of I didn't notice that jitter when it was on my TV. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it, this is I mean not for one or two this commentary, yeah. but for, I, I saw Attack of the Clones on IMAX, and uh, yeah. part of it was that they had to trim. It's an IMAX, but they had to trim the running time down to a, a lean two hours. And a narratively, it helped out a lot. But b <laughs> being on on IMAX, you got like that shot with the the Jawa sort of sand rover. Uh, you could see like individual like units inside, Bolts. yeah, like in, from the inside <laughs> of that on that really far long, long way shot. It just was like, my god, I never realized the amount of detail. But there's like I said, this a big movie difference. is great after all. <laughs> there's a big difference between getting that getting to there digitally or getting to there by a having really great production design, b lighting it properly, and c have a director that has the sort of animus to him to like actually make this look good. But most of the difference between Alien and Attack of the Clones is the production design. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. otherwise they're pretty the, much the dialogue the same. is roughly Story, the dialogue wise. is the dialogue is roughly the same. They're contiguous uh, movies. Performances are you know. Are I don't know if any, I don't know if anyone else had this reaction, but this moment when Harry Dean Stanton gets under the water. What I remember when I watched it the first time, I was just you know he's going to start dissolving. It's going the water's going to start turning into dripping acid, and like he's going to Lake Placid. Yeah, exactly. Like the thing's up there, and it's going to start dripping acid on him, and he's going to start melting. You know, and he goes from just room after room after room, and nothing is happening. I know. That'd I love good, it. That'd be a good moment. Ridley Scott's just making you nuts. Well, I, I, the first thing I thought when I saw that was not that, but rather like, dude, like he's, he's bathing like he's in a church in the Matrix. He's bathing in the runoff of this damn ship, and like, like <laughs> yeah. seriously, that's what the hell is that? You're going to refresh yourself in the in the, the, the gruel of the heavy water that's coming off the reactor what is <laughs> right. that by, by this point the audience is like we're seeing the kitty that oh, yeah. oh there it is it's always fun in a movie I had to do this in Pet Cemetery too to make a cat hiss um, you actually have to show the cat something that the cat finds disturbing. And at first we're like, wait, what is it? Is this the... That's the... Yeah, alien. what is that thing? It's like you, you can't make it out. But is that a make, chain? What the, to know. make a cat go, you know, look, freak out and, and make that face, you know, you have to like show it something that it finds, you know, worth the freaking shadows. out over. You can't really train a cat to do that. And this mouth within a mouth This thing. abstract, like, what the hell is that? And the, the head punching... It cores you like an apple. The cat is like that's pretty sweet. Yeah, that's say. messed up, yeah. man. How did you forget the cat? Um, in Pet Cemetery Two, we had to, we had we used our fake dog. It turned out that the fake dog was you freaked was, it out. Yeah, well, it was it cat was Uncanny Valley. Yeah, it was it literally was. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't necessarily freaked out by a real dog unless the dog was being threatening. But our our fake dog, it would kind of go no wrong. It was yeah, it was, it was the Uncanny Cat Valley. What I love about this is that we we didn't get the scene where they discover the body and scream. We go, he's dead, and we go straight to, yeah, he's dead. Yeah, they don't <laughs> like, discover the body. They don't he's, discover, he's just gone. Yeah. yeah, but they don't do the follow up where they're like, where is he? Where is he? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, they skip ahead. Yeah, could Brett be alive? No, no. no. I mean, I don't <laughs> think so. Nope, nope, nope. Which, in fact, you know, in the in the full version, before they uh, cut the 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 key scene, he, he was technically still alive. Right um, now, how how a person it happens to uh, to uh, 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 yeah, Dakota's character as well. You know, when that thing, when that jaw pops out, it seems to be punching a hole in your brain. Now, how you're supposed to still be alive after that experience? I don't know exactly. Well, I, I saw like this is gonna freak you out, but I, I saw there was a oh feel free. There's a, a a real thing that happened. A kid was shot. Oh, I know, I know, I know. You can have a severe brain injury. I just don't know how the, the creature depends on that that happening every time it does it to you. Right. <laughs> he's just a bad shot. He's yeah, just like, like damn it, you're supposed to be dead. Like, why why won't they die? Shot. Every time I punch him right through the head, they won't die. Yeah, kid lost half of his, literally half of his brain to a shotgun blast and was like conscious the entire time, like while they were taking him to the hospital and it was just it was oh, sure. retarded. Yeah, wow. We, we talked. We became retarded, or no, it was no, retarded? I, sh- I should not use retarded as such a pejorative description, but no, I mean he like he was conscious the entire time, and he and he he has some motor loss, but he's like fully functioning now. He's like alive, yeah. and like literally half of his brain is. Gone. We talked in another commentary about uh, um, 
uh, Blue Velvet, where there's that great scene in Blue Velvet where a guy gets shot through the head yep. and, and has just enough motor function to not fall over. He's brain dead, He's but still standing there, standing and there and kind of yeah. going... <laughs> and it's, it's, it happens. It, it does happen in real life. Not very often, but well, it can happen. It's like when you get, it's like when people get beheaded, they would hold the head up to the audience. Yeah, to, because, to like, see, if, see if they, they react. Yeah, because like the, the face is still moving. You're still conscious. For, you got a good 10 seconds there before your, your brain finally sort of dies mm. but there's a moment there where and you can't talk obviously but the head is just still sort of making faces and whatnot yeah. hey this isn't so bad you guys in fact we, are you, hey, just hurry up and do cool. it hurry oh, up and do oh wait oh wait that's weird unable to compute yeah absence of love that's absence right. of yeah. love that's again the great the great 70s and 80s computer cliche of yes writing complete sentences into a computer and it giving you complete sentences yes, but computer what is happening yes I do not know Harry Dean Stanton I have one job on this ship it's stupid. <laughs> what are my chances? Yeah. Yeah, well, oh, you know, 50, at, least the, at least the computer knows to call bullshit on that one. Believe in yourself, human. <laughs> you have the power to go home all the time. Friendship. <laughs> That's it on. Well played. It like it, With like ASCII graphics, it makes a thumbs up. Here we are in the clean... What's a pedo bear going, what the fuck? We're in the clean part of the ship now, all of a sudden. There's one part of the ship that's clean and white. It's yeah. this, this is where we have guests. This is where the visitors... <laughs> Show up. This is we the can make foyer a of the, yeah, ship. the foyer. It's the ship's foyer. Clean. I love that. I love, I love that iris door. door. Yeah, <laughs> it's a freaky thing. I don't. Too. Oh, well, there is. What? Otherwise, that's, that's you would, okay because me and Eddie are already. Otherwise, you would have said it in unison with everyone else. Yeah, yeah man. So you don't owe us, owe us a soda. So that's, get, that's, fine. that's actually that's actually a great moment. Uh, like pulling something from science fiction literature because I remember, and I will forget all the details now. But I remember reading that that description of the door iris i think it's in the foundation actually huh. the door iris to open like using iris as a verb nice and um i would imagine that ridley scott probably read foundation or it seems like well, an iris door is pretty impractical though because you the first thing you lose is your feet walking <laughs> well, well the, the, it and makes it it's okay to me because the, these aren't doors these are ventilator shafts and these are how they control the airflow through the ventilator shaft. Yeah, that works for me yeah that's, that, that, that so. would that would okay it would bottleneck the air a little bit yeah mm-hmm. I wonder if my car's air conditioner works much the same way, if it irises or not. I and and it's gigantic, and you can climb through it. Yeah. yeah. Why are there always ducts? This <laughs> episode was ducks. badly written. Yeah. This, this, this always scares me. I feel scared for Tom Skerritt, the actor. Yeah. He's got to climb through this hole with a freaking torch that he's going to have to fire later, which I'm sure is not loaded for firing in these other shots. But the fact that he's got this burning torch that he's got to awkwardly drag through the hallway can't be easy. You know, I don't think he's having much trouble playing the fact that he's uncomfortable and nervous. I just also, this is, I mean, this doesn't seem like the best plan. Like, I'm just, <laughs> it, I'll fire one shot off, move around, it fire another shot off. It's like, yeah, hopefully, I would, I would have to say that, that I just alerts the alien. I probably would yeah. shoot the shoot the flamethrower down the tunnel and then go down the tunnel, right? Just uh, just to get a sense. It, it's like it's like trying to trap a bear wearing a meat suit. It's just like <laughs> I, I don't. Yeah. Well. Again, they're they're not trained. Yeah, they're not they're not trained alien these killers. Aren't, these aren't space, not like an aliens. These aren't space marines. They're not very tough hombres. <laughs> they need to know many other things other than where they are. Yeah. So <laughs> they did not think that they said illegal aliens and did not sign up. <laughs> right. Wait, something like that. And in fact, does matter if they're Andalorian or not. <laughs> Arturian, baby. Oh, sure. I confused my uh, Bill Paxton joke. Correct. I loved it in the uh, actually in the Aliens video game is that every time you died and it was game over, the sound up was game over, man. 
Kind of obligatory. It's like, how do you not do that? That was all before. It'd be kind of funny to watch the sequence with like the insert funny tomb scene from Indiana Jones score here. See, now we're in New Soda. There you go. See, I figure if if that's huh? like, if we get an Indiana Jones ride, we need a damn alien ride, and not yeah. aliens. We yeah. need an alien yeah. ride. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I don't care. That would what, be a haunted house, Eddie. Whatever. I don't care. <laughs> but like, but put the alien in it. Universal Studios make it happen. I tried to sell them on a War of the Worlds ride. Dum, 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 dum. That would have been great. When we were, when we were, when they have the set there. It's when it was, there. Yeah, when it was time to when it was time to replace Back to the Future, and they were brainstorming. I was one of the people that they they asked for ideas, and I pitched him. I pitched him a War of the Worlds, turning that into a War of the Worlds attraction. The new the Spielberg War of the Worlds. Yeah, which just come out. Which is wow. so great. I, I do like. It ended that. up being the Simpsons, so you know, oh, I did my best. It all worked out. <laughs> yeah, both are apocalyptic. Yeah. Uh, Ultra Slime, is there nothing you can't do in a movie? Is that the same stuff as the ectoplasm? Almost uh, certainly, yeah. There's different mixtures and different kinds, but it, it's commercially it's uh, called Ultra Slime. And this is the stuff that's so disgusting you don't want to touch it ever in your life? It's Yeah, it feels like exactly what you think it feels like. It feels like slime in an ultra slimy way. I think it feels like candy. <laughs> See, every time after he fires it, I w- if I was on the other line, I'd be like, did you get it? Yeah. <laughs> nope. Did you get it? Yeah. Nope. Did you did get you, it? Did you nope. hit anything with your fireball? Well, I can't tell. All I see is a dot of you. Yeah, they, their, their scanner doesn't give a lot of in the way of I detailed do, information. I do like on the script level there was sort of a level of just like gross incompetence in fighting alien. Like yeah, they just, they, and they, that's they have, and I'm okay. And I, I love that, and I'm I okay that. with that. Yeah, the, again, it's the fact that you know these are not these are regular people who are way over their heads. Well, and, and, again, it kind of goes back to having a, a flawed protagonist. They're all kind of flawed, especially yeah. Robot Boy. There, but like, another another great shock moment coming up that's extremely simple in actual practice. You know, you get your guy and in his suit, he does one thing. Yike! <laughs> Literally, he just reaches out and freezes, and then they cut away when it feels like they should cut away, and that's it. That's all he has done. And you don't need to see him. You don't need to see uh, viscera, as I want to say. You don't need to see anything other than that. You just, yeah. We're moving on. The, uh, the guy, that's a great compression of time there, where it's like, oh, yeah, that moment yeah. of, oh, God, the monster. And then it's like the... They, they've gone level. through, they've searched all the tunnels, they've yeah. found his flamethrower, and they pulled it out, and they verified that the alien's not there, and everyone's gone. And again, we don't need to see that moving along. I mean, it was, goes back to what we were saying about a, a sort of a Lovecraftian idea of, of horror, and the idea that it's... You know, you don't, what you don't see less is, is more. What you don't yeah. see is obviously much more scarier. You've never seen, and it's not like you've never seen a, the the alien standing full. You don't know the. You, you, yeah, we you, still don't know what this thing is. We still haven't seen it. it. Yeah. Well, that's interesting from a pacing standpoint. Of okay, we just spent you know twenty twenty five minutes watching the ship land and take off, and then now we have actually got four seconds point. of the thing. Yeah. And yeah. And now that we've okay, we've seen the monster for four, like two seconds, and then we skip this whole sequence of them looking for their their captain and not finding him. Just from a, a pacing standpoint, I find that interesting. Of we're going to take this long to do well, this part. Well, now that we've established, now, right well, now that we've established, this is what it's about. It's about there's a monster, and every, yeah. every every so often there's one less human. You know, that's that's what it's going to be about from now on. We're not going to do a lot of uh, meandering off that topic. If you if you think of your story in terms of like a pressure valve, you got to build the pressure, build the pressure, build the pressure, and then just a little bit of a release, and then you can build that pressure all over again. I, I forget who it was. I think it was it wasn't Robert. I think it was. Either Robert Town or somebody like that who said, when it comes to like characters being in love, you can show, you can show an hour and a half of them not being in love, or an hour and a half of them fall, or you know, falling out of love or falling in love. But being in love, you can only show maybe two minutes. Like of them that's actually good, in love, you can only point. show them like actually being in love and happy for about two minutes of your total movie. It's a good point. It's 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 the idea is like once your once your story has been told, whatever it is, 
Roll credits. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Once you once you get to get the destination, out. either they're falling so out of love and they get to complete bankruptcy of emotion, or they're yeah. falling in love and they achieve that perfect state. So but, if they're in yeah. love, either you got to get them back out again or call it the end. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Uh, start with them in love and show the relationship devolving like Annie Hall, or mm. go the other way. And I think the same is true with horror, and the same is true with like with it, it works best with violence as opposed yeah. to like sort of the torture porn we're into today. This is a great example of the sheer terror you only get, you know. Maybe three seconds of it, but the it's like Hitchcock says, it's not the bang; it's the anticipation of the bang. Yeah, these scenes have these scenes. A lot of these scenes that are through this part of the movie have have, a, have a, at least a partial improvisational feel to me, which which is cool. You know, yeah. there are times when Sigourney Weaver clearly seems to be just kind of winging it, but in a good way. I'm not saying that right. she's you know not doing, it. but uh, it's like when she's when. It might have been the scene we've already seen when when Yafid Koto is talking over her and she sh- and she goes, "Will you listen to me, Parker? Shut up!" You know, it's like it just it feels like that feels very raw and feels like it was a th- something that happened in the moment to me. And if not, then good for her. Um, but I think it's a, it feels like a great little moment of improv that uh, worked and they kept it. Obviously, if, if, well, if that's we, the ultimate goal of of acting is to try to convince your audience that what yeah. you're really doing is improvisation even when it's not. And if you can if you can successfully plant that question into your audience's mind, then you know you've done your job. If we ever get to the shining, like that's I think that's sort of like the, the, the shooting environments with which There you go. There you, with, go. you know that's what I mean? The, the the shooting environments with which how it plays an effect and of course like the just because when you look at Shelley Duvall's face, especially in the later stages of that, just the it's not just terror, it's exhaustion. Yeah, and what, she's you're just, to, what you're starting to see enough. here yeah. what you're starting to see here as well, it's not just it's not just like there comes and real trauma is like that in the sense where it's not it's not just what's happening it's God I'm just so exhausted yeah. with I all almost, of it. I, I almost want care. to die I don't so care if I die over. at this point yeah, that's I want this like to be over up of it this is actually a big plot point so it's a huge plot point but also it's it's you know she she has to she has to do it she's not speaking in complete sentences she's speaking in science fiction pigeon computer language imagine force of neutralize alien computer please. It's like she's like like it like the computer's Japanese. Please to explain my need for understand of Arian. For best victory win. Please enter four. <laughs> All your base are belong to us. So yeah. Is it so. insure spelled wrong there? Should it be E N S U R E? No, insure with an I. Insure. Oh, that's great. I forgot about that shot. Yep. Where she leans back and Ian Holm is just I'm not a robot. Yeah. I'm not a robot or anything. What? So this is where this is where the movie really starts to like just just bitch slap you back and forth, um, and another great performance here from her where you know this idea where she's you know she just for a second just she can't take it anymore yeah. but then she gets a grip then she's like yeah. then she's back back all right fine fuck you I, back to business and that's great you know if, if a lesser film would have you know I think it's perfectly okay to have the woman have a moment because everyone can um, but you know then she recovers and she bounces back and now she's she's back to business again. you you buy that pivot as well like she, yeah that's that's a credit to her performance because that, that's a tricky script note to get and like that's I mean and she makes that work she did the heavy lifting on that yeah so that, that goes back to um, uh, acting is really about transitions. It's about being able to sell your transition from one emotional yeah. state to another. And a great example of that is a, a movie that I think it, it didn't get doesn't get as much recognition as maybe it should. Is uh, Courage Under Fire. I uh, love yes. that. Yeah, movie. where where Meg Ryan has a moment like that. Exactly. Where where she's a commander of a of a helicopter in Iraq that goes down and uh, and and you know they're in deep trouble and she starts to tear up and and the you know Lou Diamond Phillips Lou Diamond Phillips who's kind of a dick goes Are you crying? And she goes It's just tension. It's, it's yeah. tension, <laughs> asshole. Yeah. And then yeah. she continues to go on in command. You know, it's just not like she's losing her shit. She just you know she just has that uh, moment, but then she but, gets but under yeah, control. This 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 bears some talking to because we saw the. 
trickle of white blood. Yeah, the milky whatever robot. And again, robot. I don't I don't know at what point any of you guys saw this, but you know when you're seeing this, when I was seeing it, and there was no preconceived notion about what this movie was, you're really you know you think you, you're supposed to most or less think he's the alien. Oh, he's been taken over by the alien somehow, and it's a thing kind of a thing where he's like the, the he's like the alien. You don't know what the hell because there's been no hint whatsoever of androids yet. I mean, that's a that's a complete and, rabbit out of a hat they haven't even pulled. Not only that, but the most bizarre way to try to murder someone I've yeah. ever seen. Like, yeah, it makes this is, well, no yeah. logical sense. In keeping with the movie's motif of things going down your throats and symbolic rape. I get that. Um, I, I, yeah, know. no, absolutely, thematically, yeah. totally works. But just, like, forensically, I don't get yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Well, I always interpreted the fact that he's just not functioning very well. That this is, yeah. for whatever reason, in his little positronic brain, this is yeah, what you makes sense get, right you kinda, now. He kind of hints at that with just, like, how he's, like, shaking yeah, and just, he's, like, trying he, to tighten he's it. He's clearly not at the top of his game right. at this point but he's, like but like she sells it like it's working somehow yeah. well, it's, it's just, I think it would just hurt I mean it's yeah. like I'm, I'm feeling bad for yeah, her if you're just, well if you're shoving any object into somebody's throat with enough force feeling bad for her gums it just always looks like it's at the surface of her mouth though it never actually yeah well I, I think th- I think she's getting paper cuts on her gums that's bad enough that's for me okay. I'm okay with that one. like what are you doing dude well he's trying to roll a rum on him yeah uh, it just uh, boy with a with a with purple nurple he gives the <laughs> affidcoto there that's so when, <laughs> now there is now there's I'm talking about effects that that don't work. I mean these, these this scene works great, especially when he spews milk all over us. But um, they they could have done, although they did it pretty well. The the upcoming head through the table gag could uh, could have been done better later. I no, wish yeah. I buy that personally. Well, no, it's 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 the it's the way they they hide it with a cut where it's a very obvious cut from rubber head to a guy That's with head through table. That's true. Um, once if they hadn't done the cut, I would have bought it better. Um, or they could have done it more sophisticated. But again, I you know I'm the puppeteer guy, so it's my job right. to think about these things all day long. But um, they, they add in the ADR here. It's not it's not he doesn't. Yeah, he, I think it's right here. Yeah, it's an ADR of it's a robot. It wasn't like they didn't record that in scene. You can tell it's ADR. And it's yeah, I know. Like, they're like, to, we have just, to. They, yeah. and I understand that is, is it makes sense to to, to clarify because I'm you know the, to me that that strikes me as a you know an obvious sort of that's a note. Test yeah. test audiences and studio executives didn't you know thought that this was like something about the alien. It would yeah. have to say. You know, like is it a different kind out. of alien with like spaghetti for guts? Yeah, like, I mean, and then somehow it just point. comes apart, and you know, so yeah, it's, 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 it makes perfect sense to just go. It's a robot. See, it's just a little bit of jujitsu there, and then, and, then, and then the follow-up scene when they're putting the head back on right here is more voiceover saying, "Why did the company give us a goddamn robot?" I mean, they're they're yeah. making sure that you don't miss yeah. that idea because otherwise people could be confused. I can understand that. Yeah, this is this is the clunkiest exposition in the movie, and it's not, it's not bad, yeah. but it's just it's definitely. And I can see how it in retrospect they would say, yeah, yeah we, we got to say that, yeah. we got to say you, it. You need to motivate it a little bit. We were hoping not to have to spell it out, but we have to say it, so let's say it and get Yafikoto in for some voiceover. So so this is all good, and I love the fact that this thing is not you know like a Disney animatron under there. It's like what in the hell kind of weird muscle? But here's the here's the here's cut the clunky here's the clunky cutaway that uh, you know because it's just so clearly <laughs> doesn't it, it so yeah. clearly doesn't match, and that's unfortunate. Um, it could have they had just cut it, to somebody's reaction. Yeah, yeah they, they could have yeah. gone. They could have gone. They could have gone to a reverse. It could have. It could have worked. It could have worked better than it did. But once they once they've got him here, then uh, it's it's definitely wonderfully disturbing, especially when he comes to life. And, Isn't there another jump with the fire as well? Um, it's not a jump, but uh, yeah, he spews his little his little 
Android blood. It's also the problem is that when they try to set it up and they and we saw it naturally fall back and they had to reset it like that sort of that's that's a a reverse like foot in the snow in the sense exactly that they, it's they like, showed it's us like, the wrong thing. It's like we've established the physics of this thing and yeah. now with all this motion he should be falling back again. But yeah. we know obviously it's and just a it's, dude in a table. We've established that it's so not fleshy and not reacting like flesh, and now suddenly here he is looking like flesh, and uh, it's yeah reverse footprint in the snow. You Thank like you that? very much. <laughs> that's true. That's actually a, a it's perfectly like a, it's valid like a snow moonwalk. Listeners, first time listeners to Down in Front will have to listen to about 20 commentaries. Somewhere, to, to get somewhere in there is the, the footprint in the snow analogy will be explained. But what, that'll be like an Easter egg for you to look for. First person to find it gets a, f- <laughs> a t-shirt <laughs> of some kind. Or gets a free commentary. First person to find it can go buy a t-shirt. <laughs> there you go. First person to find it can buy a t-shirt. That's a, that's a deal. Once we that's start perfect organism. All right. So this concept of the perfect organism. I just about said orgasm. I was really close. Like the perfect movie. I don't want to fuck it, so it's not quite perfect. <laughs> but you could. I so it's totally nearly perfect. Could, yeah. Well, someone had a perfect orgasm right around his face, I can tell you that. Yeah, seriously. It's got a glazed donut. I'm done. Oh, uh, yikes. So they, they shorthand it pretty well. I mean, the theory being, and it's, it's explained further in, in the novelization or, or something like that, that... <laughs> That a uh, you know a robot probe picked up this signal and they were diverted deliberately so they would pick up the signal and then because of the rules they would then investigate. Um, it's a little bit of a leap to say that the company the company knew that there'd be an alien there, but the company knew there was something there and they wanted right. someone to go find out what it was. It's not that the company sent them specifically out there on their mission in the first place. It's that they diverted. They still diverted them on their way back home. Such well, they, it, they they put Ash on board because right. they knew that was going to happen, and his, it's been his mission all along to uh, to make sure that whatever happened got investigated. And it's great when you look back in the movie. Of course, he's the one who's always reminding them of the regulations and you know pushing them in the direction that they eventually go. It seems like there ought to have been some conversation. Maybe there is, and it just never ever saw the light of day about signing away because people can sign, like sign away their body to science. So I'll be I'll be buried in an autopsy fi- or uh, like a crime scene field and the. The new guys that are learning, you know, you know, or I'm going to get chopped up, or even like organ donor type stuff. There must be a way, or there, there seems like there ought to have been a, a a way to sign your body for use in movies as a prop, so you don't have to use a rubber head for that shot. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find a guy that looks like Ian Holm. If you're, right. you know, he's he's on a recipe, he's on his way out. Do you sign this so we can get cut off your head and use it as a prop. Well, you can you can sign your body over to be part of Body Worlds, and yeah, that's true. Uh, and and many people have, and many countries have, you know tried to block it because it's illegal you know use it's desecration of a corpse um you know by some country standard well they've got the body works exhibit now that is like seriously people fucking yeah and like uh, it's like it's a, if i signed up for body works oh that sounds great that sounds like you yeah. use my body cool but you've got me in reverse cowgirl taking up the, you know like, <laughs> well, like can i at least meet the woman first oh, seriously <laughs> hi how are you i'm married you know like <laughs> we'll be having sex for a while well, till death do you part well maybe yeah. it's some i don't know yeah, I guess so. I guess I'll become a free no, man. At death, you come together. As, uh, as Stephen Colbert said, it's a perfect exhibit for people who wonder what it looks like when pieces of bacon do it. <laughs> so. So, oh, man. So here's a... Uh, this is what the inside of a Borg cube looks like. It is. Yeah. It very much looks like the inside of a Borg cube. So there's the... Uh, they totally copied it. There's the Narcissus, uh, the Narcissus yeah. escape pod, which, which is, they, they bring up a fundamental flaw. They say that, uh, you know, the, the pod won't... The shuttle won't take four... Um, fortunately, they're they're only down to three now, so so it's it all, all it's out. all good. It all worked but uh, so it's so like the it's kind of like the, the Titanic. It's kind of like the Titanic. It's yeah. like ah, how many more? You know, if you're at the point where you're escaping the the ship, then you know you don't need not more than everybody's three. Gonna not be everyone's going to be making it. 
Is there something to be said for the design of the ship? Like, is it? I mean, is it I thought it looked, I thought it looked the Millennium Falcon from below. Right. It has it has that. Well, it's got that wedge shaped look, sure, and it's and it's white, unlike the rest. I kind of the like ship. how it became sort of unsheathed, like the idea. Yeah, that, that, it's a weird sort of. Well, because they're landing with the thing. I guess so. Yeah, it's <laughs> you just, don't want to like land on the planet and come up and go, "Wow, we wrecked the lifeboat." Right. It just seems like in modern ship design, there seems to be sort of like less thought. I guess for like practicality. I don't know. Maybe maybe. Well, I'm, what's an example of a practical ship? This one, like this one, I mean, it's just it, 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 it totally feels it feels feature. real, yeah, in that and, and that it feels real because it doesn't, it's not pretty. Yeah, it's, um, it's ugly as sin, and that's know, why it doesn't need functional. to be. It doesn't need to be aerodynamic at all. Maybe the maybe the, the land, you know, the Nostromo does, but the the, yeah. the mining platform. You have to have right. you have to have a really really wealthy and advanced society with a lot of a lot of resources and a lot of leisure time right. to design spaceships on a regular basis that look like the Enterprise. Exactly. You yeah. Know, There's it's a, like look and, and and look at our own society that way. You know, look at an oil tanker versus a guy's yacht. You know, right. the, the Enterprise is a yacht in terms of the sleekness well, and the beauty of the design, but it's not functional like most of our ships that actually have jobs to do are. You know, it doesn't, from, it's, not, it's not an oil tanker. It's not a you know, container ship. Compare but, Bill Gates' yacht to uh, the USS Iowa, you know, exactly, the battleship. Exactly. The Nostromo is a working spaceship. Yeah, and yeah. I guess from a story perspective, the Enterprise makes sense because it's, an, it's essentially an ambassadorial ship. It's supposed to be like the first introduction. It is. To, it's you know, it's the top of the line. And, you know, the, it, it's I, supposed to look pretty. My point is that, you know, it's from a, it's a, it's a utopian society exactly. that's building that thing. They have this, the time to go, we're going to make our spaceships look so awesome, you guys. We're going to make well, them look also, so perfect. It is also part of that ambassadorial thing. If, if you go back to the Great White Fleet that we had at the turn of the century, yep. yeah. where Teddy Roosevelt was like, I'm, we're just going to build a great big fleet and send it around the world yeah. and show the world and how impress awesome the, America And impress the hell is. out of the slopes. And, yeah. and, and what's, what's, great is, what's great is in history, the, Ch- the Chinese did it first. The Chinese, you know, in like the, 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 f- the year 500 or so, frigates, yeah. the biggest fleet ever to sail the seas was sent out, the, the Admiral Zeng, you know, Admiral Zeng's uh, flotilla. You know, China went out and sent these amazing ships around the world to just like throw gold at people and go, we're from China, suck it, and impress the rest of you know, <laughs> the world. We're much no- prettier than you Caucasians. Yeah, impress the, impress the rest of the known world with their, with their wealth. And, Enjoy uh, discovering fire. Yes. <laughs> Good luck with your puny society. By the way, we have uh, spaceships. Bye. Yes. Here are some fireworks and noodles. Decide which one you like more. <laughs> now, now, this is curious. Now, the, would, would, do you here's buy? The, do you buy the freaking out over the cat? Here's the looking for the cat. I, I'm okay with it because the ship is not destructing at this point. She just. She's got some I have a cat. If you know, if I was evacuating right. my house, I'd look for my cat. I don't I'm, have a problem with. No, her that's fair. Right. I'm, I'm a puppy owner. I you know, it. she's not being chased by the monster at this moment and looking for the cat. You know, it's a cat. She's she wants to get the cat. So they and again, evacuate. she loses it again and kind of rallies. Like yeah. it's, it's just a really good. Yeah. that's where her performance really shines. Yeah. here is just in those little. Is that she's just like I just can't take much more. Yeah, it's at the point where it's like, cat, you, you are going to get left behind if you don't get stop <laughs> looking around. Come you understand right you're on a spaceship, yeah. right? Oh, that's right. You're Come here right now. Get in your space kitty porta. There we go. I always wanted a space cat container like that. So here we go. Alien shadow. And again, we still haven't seen the goddamn thing very well. We're about to see it again as best as we've seen it yet in this scene. Um, And Veronica Cartwright, once again, also does a great... Just losing her shit, but it's also the first time the alien is about to kill more than one person, and like there, it's like somebody's going to bear witness to this in real life, and it's. I, I like the fact that they place that here versus up front. You know? Yeah, but uh, props to Veronica Cartwright for playing the. I'm just, you know, this is just inhuman. What I'm looking at, I just can't handle what's going on anymore. What, what did she go on to do? Because I don't remember much. She of was her in uh, Witches of Eastwick. She right. was in. Uh, I think she was the mom in Flight of the Navigator. That sounds right. Sounds yeah. about right. Yeah. Oh, I love that movie. I haven't seen it. Flight of the Navigator Explorers, awesome. Both those really good. And by really good, we mean kind of good. 
We're, good for the we 80s. I mean, not awful. So, yeah. Her just I wonder how complicated this rig was that the actor had to wear. It's it's not that complicated. There's obviously some monofilament dragging his tail around. It's it's a very, very thin African fellow whose name is in the credits. Um, Barack Obama, I think, was his name. <laughs> um, it was something like oh, that. Oh, yeah, so good. Get your steel teeth and your strange fluids. Um the he's he's literally is a he was an African guy. He's just because he was he's like seven feet tall and skinny as a rail. So that's why this creature has this doesn't look like a bulky guy in a suit. And then there we go. That's yeah. like our biggest sort of reveal, yeah. I guess you could say. And one of the things that make the thing so creepy is it's got no eyes. And that's talk what, about like sexual violation. Over yeah, this is this, this is what I was God. talking about. This is the shot where you go, what is it doing? <laughs> we don't even want to know what it's doing. Um, even the suggestion of what it's doing. But um, you know, it has no eyes, and it's got this weird elongated head, and it's got these tubes going off in all directions. Um, it's just it's it's not that complicated a suit, and they've got some you know they have to wave the tail around with. Some and I remember puppetry. them talking about that in might have been three or maybe this one where they had some shots of and here it's it's the guy in the suit, and yeah. they had to get rid of them because it was very clear there was just a guy in the suit. Yeah, it's it's it can be unless unless you have a guy who's like seven foot tall and weighs a hundred pounds, right? Um, it just doesn't feel right. But there, even even so, they had Another, some shots where. Oh. Yeah, it was perhaps there, a little too clear. Yeah, another 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 great, you know, Sigourney Weaver moment there. Just like it's just again, it's just part of the image. Like you don't see. Yeah, it, you the know. fact that we just we we don't get to see it, and that's great. That's great understated filmmaking. Um, and then here's to me, I was I've always loved this sequence um, because this this sequence we've we've touched on this before. It's like okay, it should not be easy. There probably is a way <laughs> to blow up the USS Enterprise aircraft carrier, but I hope it's not easy. Right. Um, yeah. So, so the, you know, this this brings up, you know, someone thought about this. It's right. like, okay, you probably could set your spaceship to detonate, but let's make that really complicated. Exactly. So you have to be really sure that that's what you mean to do. I, I joined the I joined the army in 1996, the year that The Rock came out, and right. my job was an ammunition specialist, and we had, we spent several weeks sort of identifying all those you know different kinds of not just artillery and small arms, but also chemical weapons. And so for the four weeks we spent on chemical weapons. You know, we the subject of VX gas had come out is sort of in the the thing, and I'm like, so is it really like that? And he's like, okay. And my, and my instructor was like, let me let me tell you about the rock. <laughs> he's like, the uh, the. Do you think that one of the most powerful nerve agents that we have in the world would be held in tiny glass balls strung together like this? Just yeah. he's like, no. Firstly, it's not neon green. It looks like Metamucil. Secondly, uh, we you know we keep it. At, I mean, you can't even transport it without twice the security that they showed in the movie. Uh, it's it's just and yes, it is. It is extremely potent. There is like a a part per million counter where we actually start. It actually starts to affect you. Like it's odorless and colorless by the time it even hits you. It's 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 far worse than the movie portrays, but it's it's far more secure than the movie portrays as well. And to have even access to it, uh, for me to actually wit- see it in first person, I had to wear a full Mop Four containment suit and all this other bullshit we had to go through just just to look at it just to look yeah seriously just to be in the same room as like want me to jam this in my heart (laughs) so it's like madonna you have to put on the full suit just to look upon it that's another thing they they they, like in your in your gas mask pack in the back of it there's there's two (laughs) needles of adrenaline and atropine should you get exposed to a chemical agent but it doesn't go in your heart it goes in your leg your femoral artery can get into your heart way quicker than trying to bypass your own breastbone like it's (laughs) just it's i mean you do this it's in your it's in your heart in like four seconds you don't need to go through all the the pulp fiction bullshit. Well, this now is my my first my first experience with Alien was on the Great Movie Ride. 
no. in Disney World <laughs> as you go through all the different uh, really? uh, movies. I was in that what, the first time when it was hadn't been open that long, and there wasn't much that happened. There was kind of a Sigourney Weaver doll kind of standing there, and there was an alien well, she's just like it's out. right here. It's, it's this yeah, shot where she's just, like standing she's by the frozen. corner, and it's the yellow light flashing on her. Can we just get a shot of really the lighting on this? Like my God, yeah. such good lighting. Yeah, it's it's to the point where it's almost annoying. You know, the, 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 it is it actually what it is, of course, is the light coming through a fan. But I like that yeah. seizure kind of aspect for it. Yeah. Like you just, at this point, the sheer chaos of it breaks in. Now like this, we've been building to this entire This, movie. this scene brings up, it's a little unclear because it's so choppy in the editing. It took me several viewings to finally understand what the hell's going on is, right. you know, the, her, her, her passage to the escape shuttle is where the damn alien is. Right. Yep. So she can't get to the escape shuttle. Now she's got to go back and turn off the, the self-destruct. Yep. Then the self-destruct doesn't turn off, so she's got to turn around and go, oh, I, don't, I don't care if the alien is there. I got no choice. I have to get to the shuttle. Well, that's and that's sort of like the, the like mother's voice over here kind of helps fill in the gaps on that. But I do, I do from like just speaking on the editing, like we've been, I mean, we start the movie off with long shots with extremely slow dissolves. Like, I mean, easily 75 frame dissolves uh, from just basic shot to basic shot. The, the pace of cutting is extremely slow and it doesn't even really like tend to ramp up until the past the second half and now we're in this position where once we're inside we're getting to like this really kind of frenetic editing uh, editing especially for 1979 yeah like you're really this is almost like sort of the russian or the french new wave like style editing <laughs> yeah. from the 50s yeah, where it's just crazy cut 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 yeah cut, cut. this is insane it's like a music video yeah i love how people say oh mtv editing it's like do you, do you ever watch a french film from the 50s my god yeah. <laughs> and again you know Sigourney Weaver deserved to become a star and a science fiction star because this this stuff not everyone can play this stuff you know she's playing ridiculous things that you know they don't teach you in acting school so here's how you play trying to re, re deactivate the self destruct on your spaceship scene I mean is that a Stanislavski exercise I don't it's think an improv game well, it's, yeah it goes into uh, it's comedy sports yeah in, in the Meisner technique they talk about you know, the reality of doing and you always know what you're what you're actively doing what the human activity is mm. and. But this, this I think, brings up something we've talked about in other commentaries, which is like, you know, Sigourney... Oh, you Sigourney bitch. I love yeah. that. I love <laughs> Sigourney, you know, she has to be smart enough to get that that's what this is about. Right. You know, if she's going to play it real enough where she can internalize it, that means that she gets what this whole movie is about and at least sort of can pretend what this technology is about. But, but that's, um, the, that's the tough thing about science yeah. fiction and fantasy and, and these worlds where most of the world is constructed is you have to fill in so much more than you otherwise. Yeah. My impression otherwise of Sigourney do. Weaver is that she's she's smart. I get that. Oh, yeah. I get that vibe off all of Sigourney all the, Weaver's. All nice, the good actors. Yeah, God, great, great rack, that. great rack focus there. Beautiful. I, I think part of the key to like again realistic sci-fi is just sort of the mundane. Too many times in sci-fi movies you see pe- like a, an actor interfacing with the computer and it's like it's almost like they're discovering it for the first time. I think part of the key is like a lot of this futuristic equipment has to be as mundane as a yeah. coffee machine to them, yeah. and I, and you get that especially in the first half. I you know it's a, it's a thing that uh, when you have a good actor and they as long as as long as they can you know stay in the moment and and just you know be be acting and not like take themselves out and go, uh, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can get great stuff if you if you set it up correctly. I, I got great results. And Renee O'Connor, an actress I worked with recently, I had a scene where she had to put on a spacesuit where she doesn't know how to put on the spacesuit, where, you know, through the clever directorial trick of not telling her how to put on the spacesuit and just calling action. Um, <laughs> Fiend. You know, <laughs> I, 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 we just rolled on it. And it's... it's Boy, she's lucky you didn't have any cow guts. Exactly. You know, but she's fantastic because, you know, she literally was just like struggling with this thing to try and get it on. Because she knew what she had 
to do and and, you know, and how she felt about yeah. it. And she and, just did it. And yeah. she, as long as she didn't break break character, you know, it's, it's one of my favorite scenes in the whole show that we did because you, you can clearly see how hard she's working to try and figure out how this thing fits together. I've always wanted to do a karate movie without showing the actor karate. Just see what happens. I actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good luck with that. I All actually right. just went on, on an audition the other day. It looked like Drew Barrymore. The uh the conceit of the, all the all the guy would t- the only there was no sides there was no script of any kind. It was just this one sheet of paper that says you want to be you are you are trying to break into Area 51 to because you think there's something on the inside that you want to see. Huh. And all 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 you did was you went in and sit down and the director was like, "Okay, so why do you why do you want to break into Area 51? What do you think you'll find? How do you think you'll do it?" And Ooh, you tough, just had to improv toughy. and 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 sell him as best he could without knowing anything before walking in. And how was, was how was that for you? Uh, I got to the third question. Nice. Uh, okay. Yeah. And uh, uh, as far as I know, because my my teacher was the one that sent me and some other people in there. I, she's the only one that she sent that got to a third question. Cool. So I feel bad for the cat the way he just got put in the doorway there. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like you bitch. Yeah. Hey. Hey. Ripley, you bitch. Yeah. Well, it, it, you know, again... I'm going to shit in your hair. Probably. Yeah, that's right. Wait till I get hold of your shoes, baby. You know, so again, Sigourney Weaver just... This is... It's not just the fact that she was in this movie. It's the fact that she did... The work she did in this movie. Because she's, you know... Now she's the only character. She's going to be... She's the only character left in the movie. It has yeah, been talk for about 10 ca- minutes. Talk about carrying the last 15 minutes of your Yeah. Movie. She's the only one left. And, uh, you know, and she's... this. It's very hard. And, you know, we have actors and directors right here in the room. We can all vouch for how hard it is to maintain this level of intensity and sweatiness. And I'm scared and I'm breathing hard. And I'm... You know, you can... You, it's very, very hard to, to stay at that level of intensity. Especially when you've got nothing to play off of. And one, one thing that I don't think we've ever really mentioned is, you know, this is, okay, this may be a minute and a half of screen time, but this is, you know, a solid half a day, a day, several days worth of shooting. Oh, yeah. Where she, this is she's more, this is what more she's, than that, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm just saying even this small section, yeah. if, you, if you go to this whole last sequence of the film, you're talking many, yeah. many several, days several of actual days, shooting yeah. where... She's spending all day in this emotional state. Uh, yeah. with, a, with an African guy in a rubber suit that probably doesn't look that good in person. Yeah. And so and that, that's a tough thing to, yeah. to force yourself, to maintain yourself at that, here, at that level. Here's what I count as like the two or three effect shots that don't hold up in this movie. Um, we talked in Jaws about how, how little work would need be needed to do a special edition. This, these are the two shots that Alien needs fixed. And then I think it's good to go. As far as being releasable, With that, that Corona there, yeah, or? it's just the optical of it, you know, and the fact that it's a static, obviously a locked off matte painting shot, you know, it's just it's it's optical, it's old school optical, and it, it gives you the reason why when you don't, this movie didn't do much optical, a lot of it was practical stuff. <laughs> I love the thing blows up three this, times, yeah, <laughs> it just keeps blowing up. Exactly, it's like an encore. It's just, uh, did you love that? Well, check this shit. Check space. this out. Laserium. Thinks it's o- you think it over? No. Do you think it's over so now? That's the only no. that's the only part of this whole movie that optically doesn't that visually doesn't uh, measure up. Totally different movie and, and I have mixed feelings about the movie, but the fountain I really love what they did sort of with the backplates of that for the backplates of the fountain where he's sort of like flying through time or whatever. They the it's it was actually uh, that was practical. And it was practical shots of essentially liquids and chemicals pressed between two planes of glass with right. an electrode running up through it that caused these sort of natural like cloud shapes and he did uh, I think about six or seven different color palettes of it but that's a, when Eric when uh, uh, not Eric Bono when Hugh Jackman is flying through space or time or whatever the hell happens in that movie uh, that's what you're seeing in the background is an actual practical shot and I think there's especially now there's ways we can get around it and I wish that's the, the sort of optic, the different opticals and practicals we could do I wish we could do that more nowadays Jonesy. Anyone ever name that cat Jones? 
No. no I, I, I have friends we here. We named the dog Jones. I had, I had a dog named Ripley because of this movie. Named really? Ripley, my, uh, my friend named his, his first daughter Ripley. And I just babysat her, and oh. she's and she's seven, and she knows that she's like I'm named after some movie. Oh, but she doesn't oh. she hasn't seen it yet. She's Where like she she's like it? some Sigourney Weaver movie. Like, uh, it's, it's like well, one she gets day a load of it. One day holes, you should see yeah, it. Holes. Yeah, holes. Yeah. It's called Avatar. Yeah, really. You're named after this giant blue Smurf. <laughs> So, so after a Smurf, dear. So the, on, okay. on first viewing of this movie, again, you kind of like you know, again for a '77 movie before the giganto roller coaster movie became the norm, and you got 17 of them every summer. Um, you know, as a moviegoer in '77 or '79, you were pretty well done. You're like, okay, who, nice, yay, happy ending, great. And then right about here is when you go, this is kind of going on a little long. They're kind of still milking this a little bit. I mean, shouldn't they, it's the it's over? Shouldn't they be rolling credits by now? I mean, this is all cool that she's going home, but why are they showing us this? And then when she starts, the like, is this. When she starts, yeah, it's like, like oh, this, this is, is worth, why this is worth sticking around for certainly. Um, <laughs> but, I don't know why I'm watching, but whatever. She's but right about here is where you start to go. This movie's not over. Damn it! There's something else that's going to happen. This, this literally movie. just turned into Halloween. Yeah. No, I don't. Yeah, you know, I. I Still to this day, feel this is a bit gratuitous. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I'm still okay with it. It makes sense. She's you know that we saw the first time we saw these characters was in this attire coming out of the yeah, sleep. This so is, so this is how they, you go to bed. They planted it. What I a get skinny that. girl she was. Look at her, and she still is pretty much. She still. I mean, the thing was when I saw her at that panel this year's Comic Con, she still looks amazing. Like she's yeah. still like more attractive than half the women on that damn panel. She was. Oh look, she looks like a dime bank. I want to put a penny in. Now here's here's where the biometrics works out. Exactly, here's, here's, the biomechanics. Like, you, the biomechanics. You can't tell that you're looking at the alien because it looks like the machine. I've seen this movie a thousand times, and for that first half second, I I still forget. You still like, can't yeah. tell. That, oh wait, that's the alien I'm looking at. Hi, and it just like smiles at her. Hi, Hi Aaron. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Looks like you got some nice underwear. Yeah. Hello, Clarice. So we're going to Earth then. That's fine. I'm going to eat. Uh, the only way, nice you, know, you know what? The only way I'd want to see this movie remade is if you told it from the aliens' perspective and told it as like a, as like a persecution movie. Yeah. Like I was just born yeah. in the so I woke ship, up. and like everybody's mad at me. So I attached myself to the host, like always, right? <laughs> you next know, guys, right. this is usual. Like you do. Then they got this cow prod thing, and they're like trying to hit me next with it. Next thing I know, I'm looking around for the for the nurturing pen, and there's none to be found. I, I tried to pet the about. kitty, and they're all mad about that. <laughs> yeah. I tried to pet the kitty. I tried to pet the kitty, and they were upset. And I don't know. This thing is like a slug. It puts out an awful lot of fluid. There was there was somebody who you like put salt on it. There was somebody I forget who it was. I think it was Neil Gaiman who who rewrote sort of like fairy tales, but from the reverse perspective. So like Hansel and Gretel is about a sweet, kind old lady who gets vandalized, like <laughs> who go. gets like yeah. he gets like tortured by these kids, sure, you know, and or, or and know, ultimately little, murdered by them. Exactly, and then yeah. the little Little Red Riding Hood. It's like from a very simple but noble wolf who just tries to you know. It's just misunderstood. Yeah. So if if the alien's blood is acid, does that mean if you tossed a like a bottle of base onto it, yeah. that it would melt? That's what I'm saying. Get the baking soda. Well, right? Yeah. Some milk would be good. If the androids are made of milk, like what would happen if yeah. they fought? She just had Ash fight it for heaven's sake. Here I'm just go. doing this because yeah. why not? Just because it's an insert shot. You see this shit? Second unit director thought it'd be cool. Just stretching. Yeah. Showing my slime. I got to tell you, that doesn't work for me too much. It's a little It's a little bit too, show, little basically, too much. It's something to cut away to while she gets yeah, dressed. That's exactly. all it is. I think that was an editor. I would have rather watch, continue to watch her get dressed. Now, when I first saw this movie, um, 
they were still it was pretty pretty new it was pretty pretty fresh out of the in the theaters and and they were giving away and it's one of those things it's like I should have hung on to it because I could probably put it on eBay now, eBay now they were giving away little buttons and the buttons had even little LED blinkies in them which was very rare and unusual um, at the time and they said you are my lucky star and I was like what is that and I had huh. to wait all the way to the end of the movie to even find out what the right. hell that was a reference to um, and it's a pretty obscure reference to the movie even when you're watching the movie I love that though and that's something unfortunately we lose with the sound off it's yeah. just like this this sort of notion that she's singing, she's singing her herself. little song just so she doesn't lose her shit um, such a great character note too and it's interesting that it's a, it's a song it's not a callback to anything no it's just there yeah. it's just it's just whatever song she picks out of her head which, which makes they, you wonder they get, get the rights to I'm guessing yeah I guess it makes you wonder if it's a script thing or if it was a, <laughs> as a an improv thing or something that they came with came up with on the fly yeah. it'd be, it'd be in the script it was out. probably like she sings herself a tune yes. that the rights will clear later yes whatever yeah. Yeah. when you wish upon a star nope yeah <laughs> try again happy birthday nope nope helter skelter nope <laughs> she uh, sells sanctuary yes <laughs> has been made yet Who star cares? spangled banner no Another detail that I thought was nice is, it, although it does bring up a lot of interesting questions in my head, is okay. So this is the survival, you know, escape pod version of the spacesuit, which is obviously not as decorated or anything like that. It's like, but why are the regular spacesuits so heavily decorated? Because this is like the unpainted, unheavily decorated version of exactly the same suit. Why are there ones that they actually use, like like literally like samurai gear? Yeah. If, if this is a working spacesuit and her hockey gloves, yeah. She's definitely got her hockey pads on there. She's wearing hockey, and it's, hockey and it, pads. And, it's, and again, makes sense. You know, the other suits were worn and beaten down because they get used all the time. Yeah, this escape pod, but they, they, they clearly also have have more. You know, what, what what on this is just a texture. On those are actual doodads. Yeah. Um. So. Oh, now he's pissed. Yeah. And here we are. She begins to sing. For whatever reason, you are my lucky star. Which is, again, it's like. Can't can't say enough how how impressed I am with Scorny Weaver and was impressed with her in this movie. It was like wow, you know this is she's this she's, is basically an art film. Yeah, she's acting really. It really is. She's acting really hard. <laughs> it's it's not easy at all what she's doing. It's almost like uh, you know we we always say horror movie, but really it's almost like a serial killer movie in a way. Like it's, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, yeah. I, I'm not even joking. Like, in a sense, yeah, she's she's definitely doing the Jamie Lee Curtis part. Here comes Michael. I remember reading an interview in, in, about Aliens when Jim Cameron, who wrote the script, of course, for that, and, and it was pretty much a given that Sigourney Weaver was going to be in it because it was written for her to be in it. Um, he said he was so impressed that she brought the script to him and she had all these notes and post-its all over it where she had gone through and just diagrammed every little turning point of her character. And he was so impressed that you know she had absorbed everything that he was trying to do with the script and the character and, and had her own ideas to bring to it. Which just suggests what kind of a level of, of actress that, that she is, even with you know cheesy, stupid science fiction movies that she makes. And I love this. I love trying to crawl back into the yeah. vent. Well, the little tail grab is nice. That's a that's a cheap little you know easy science fiction that you just like pull the tail in from the inside. From as a puppeteer, you go. Those are the shots you live for because they look good and they're easy. And then of course you know, the actual. Uh, I love that liquid aspect to it. Well, it's it's yeah. just it's just a cheap trick. It's it's not supposed to be liquid, but that's that's how they did the effect. It's, but no, but also, also isn't there like in, in like space vehicle propellant, Brian? That there's some yes. like there's some sort of liquid aspect to it. Well, like there is, but it, it, by the time it comes out, all, by the time it comes out of the nozzle, it's right. fire. Yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, that's just how they created the you know the uh, the blast effect. 
Um, and that's a Brian Johnson special. I do believe we'll see in a minute in the credits. I think Brian Johnson because you can even see it. Dripping. I, love, I just love it how even the fact lens. that it's dripping off the lens is kind of like wow. That's really they didn't even bother to hide the fact that it's water spraying out of there. But um, that's a Brian Johnson special. He's done that before with just water jets to be to be rocket blasts. But it's one of those things that you don't, like that like ninety five percent of the viewing audience wouldn't even like question it. You know? Although that makes it very obvious that old that model trick of if you want something to look like it's in zero gravity. You shoot it, if you're, especially if you're exploding something, you shoot it upside down. Or shoot it from below. So or you shoot it from yeah. below, and yeah, and so it, the thing is hanging above you, and then you explode it. And that, with that liquid, it kind of makes it obvious. Yeah, it does get yeah. a little yeah. bit. It's, got like, it's, it's literally dripping off. It, you know, there's, it's telling us there's a camera out there in space looking at this spaceship. Right. So here's the moment where Jim Cameron said, okay, this looks like a happy ending. I'm going to make it not be. You know, it's like, oh, she's on her way to Earth. Cut to... Drifting in space for seventy years, everyone she knows is dead. What? A, yeah, what a downer to start that movie on, too. Well, but not as much of a downer as the way they started Alien Three. But that's, oh, that's two commentaries. Yeah. That away. one, like that one, like just made me depressed. That's a, that's a punch in the nuts. Yeah. So, but anyway, there you go. And and the the fade and the and the credits roll like and space. and I guess the alien won't jump out at her any further. And life has found a way. Yeah, that's right. And Helvetica's back. I feel cold. <laughs> Helvetica, our buddy Helvetica. You see that documentary on Helvetica? I love Helvetica. Right? So good. That's a great. That's a good documentary. Yeah. Brian we had, we had Terry Rollins, great editor, and that D- was Derek a- Van Lint, great DP. I worked with him yeah. on a commercial of all things for cat food. Ter- Terry was one of uh, uh, Ridley Scott's go-to guys. I did. In the early days. And it was the he was the guy who shot Alien. You know, I was like, oh, well, yeah. he should be okay with this r- puppet cat we're doing. Brian William Fenifer, how do you feel about Alien? That was a fast two hours. I got to be honest. It zoomed. That yeah, that especially for something that uh, goes. So pretty slowly at the beginning, once it picks up, man. Yeah. We didn't. We didn't even give Carlo Rambaldi but props. Carlo Rambaldi, of course, also built ET. There's Brian Johnson. There There's Brian Johnson. Brian Johnson. So was oh, Brian he, Johnson? He, he he sure. he Nick, so Nick Eichler. Brian Johnson did uh, Space 1999, and he did at least one of the Star Star Wars original Star Wars trilogy huh. effects. Uh, the one that wasn't John Dykstra. So so that's his, his thing was much Damn more man. about actually flying the ships around on invisible wire rigs than it was about doing them optically green screen. Eddie Doty. Love this movie. Love it even more every time I see it. Uh, can we say this is a perfect movie by the definition that Down in Front is created? I, I would say this is a perfect movie. I think it's in that zone. I think it's definitely in the in the, the Venn diagram of perfect movie because it just – it literally <laughs> it's just – It's on the curve. It's, yeah, it's, it's, in the, it's in the bubble, but it's just – I can't think of one thing that stands out that I would want done differently in, in any sense. But yeah, love it, love it, love it. Trey? Uh, yeah, what can I say? It's, it's as if it's as if – Somebody went back in time. You know, this this thing is like no one had the technology to make this movie in 1979. This something is something's fishy about this. This movie is too good and too well made and too well thought out and holds up far too well to be 30 years old. To be a 70s old. sci-fi film. Exactly. I think someone from right now, probably one of us right after this recording, probably went back in time and and told these people how to make this movie. I have the iPhone app for time okay. travel. So oh, okay, well, that's what, then there's their explanation right now. Right. So now let's freshen our minds. Okay. Let's go back in <laughs> and time make it again. and tell them how to make this movie. It's just, that's the only possible explanation that we are the parents of John Connor. I guess it, you know, the, <laughs> I guess Occam's just, Razor, make it work for you. <laughs> I guess it just goes back to what, you know, if you give a Find shit. Find the hole in my logic if you can. I think yeah. it's pretty bulletproof. <laughs> if you give a shit, you can make a movie that like this. That was a short sequence. Yeah, yeah, it's so... Oh, it's already over? Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Well, Dolby got nah. it before fucking scare it did. Yeah. I don't know. And for me, this movie, it, I would agree that it is a perfect movie. It in, and of the spectrum of perfect movies that we have so far labeled, uh, it's my least favorite. I, I, I like this movie a lot. It's, it's a movie that I can watch and enjoy. But it's not a movie that I have any connection to or anything like that. But it is perfect. It is an, an excellent example of everything it's doing. 
every aspect of what it does. It's certainly possible to call a movie perfect and not love yeah. the movie. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. And, and what, what, what's, what's weird and bizarre, and it's it, it'd probably be arguable if someone was if someone came in here and said we were being assholes, but in in the sense that we're using it, perfect is objective. It is not yeah, something that's yeah. like I love that movie. It's perfect. It can be I hate that movie, but shit, that's great. Yeah. I'd say like what Requiem for a Dream kind yeah, of exactly. did everything that it meant to do, yeah. but I don't ever want to see it again. Lawrence of Arabia does everything it wants to, but not everybody wants to watch that. Yeah. Yes. I, we. I guess we should clarify again that when we say perfect, we mean I, the best w- movie ever made, and I love it so much. It when a mean filmmaker, that at all. S- when a filmmaker sets out and says, "I'm going to make this movie," you have a certain idea, and then if you've succeeded at the end, your film reflects the idea you had at the beginning, and you've everything you've. You've set up. You've paid off to the, your maximum potential, and most films don't do that. They have some have great ideas, and they're just not paid off as well as they could be. Right. Or, but some, or, the, or the execution falls or the, apart. Yeah, the execution of of however of the or there's an element of it whatever. that that takes it off. Or there's off a, track. Yeah, there's that straight line. You know, there's a straight line between the idea and the execution, and somewhere in there, it's, there's a. <laughs> Something that's just not right, but that's every now and then you get a you, you someone get a left film. a wrench in yeah. the organs. Yes, yeah. and then you know you're going along just fine, and next thing you know, boom, you run right into Melanie Griffith. And it's, it's suddenly, it's all over. <laughs> and on that note, this has been Down in Front. You can always find more episodes at downinfront.net. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Listen to our shit. Go to twitter.com/slash/downinfront to get an, uh, an update every single week with the link to the new episode. If you don't want to do iTunes, I don't know why you would want to, because uh, frankly, iTunes rules, and we're big fans. And if they want to pay us, we will. Graciously, graciously take their money but you can always find more episodes we have a new one every single week and for my friends I am Teague Christie and I'm Brian Finisher I'm Eddie Doty and Trey Stokes and this has been Down in Front thank you very much for listening good night good night good night good night I'm gonna go get the cat save the cat <laughs> cat in your head.com.